Live from the 2021 SEMA Show, it's the Truck Show Podcast, powered by Banks. That's pretty good. <laughs> that was that was rad. Lightning, here we are at the uh, 2021 SEMA Show, live from the, well, sort of live, as we say, from the Truck Show podcast booth, powered by Banks, and uh, you look like you're powered by nothing. <laughs> what in the hell happened? I got last night's uh, episode at 2 a.m. this morning, Yeah. and then um, I wasn't sure if you were going to make it today. Last night we went, and uh, as I said uh, on the last episode, we went to uh, Javier's over in the Aria, and uh-huh. I tried to take the monorail, which is a bad idea. Well, you said that. You kept saying, we're taking the monorail, and I go... Because okay, you're well, thinking it doesn't go anywhere near right, it. Right, but what yeah. I'm thinking is, oh, you're taking the monorail to where you can pick up a cab. Yeah. So I didn't correct you or say anything, because... Which you would have. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to be that guy. So anyway, I we... I figured we, you had it figured out. We took the monorail, there was like five or six, there were six of us. And I uh, went over there and found out it dropped us off behind the MGM. Yeah. So we had to go through the MGM. And then, then across, across the street. street. Yeah. And up and over Las Vegas Boulevard. Right. Then into Aria and then up. It was, we made it. We ate great dinner. Everyone was very happy. Was it Everyone your was first full. meal of the day? Uh, my first real meal of the week. So last night I get back. No, to, I'm not joking. No, I understand. My first this. actual meal of the week. I had my second last night because Gail took me out for a pastrami sandwich two yeah. nights ago. Oh, at the uh, the sports bar. Oh no, that's not true. I had I, I smashed prime rib at Lowry's. I forgot. Oh yeah, I did have that meal. I sent my crew and my son to Lowry's after yeah. you said I know like the Lowry's sound. So I good. saw them at the taxi stand. They go, hey, you want to go to Lowry's with us? And I'm like, I had that last night. I can't do it. And you, you didn't say where's lightning? No, I I figured you had died. I or didn't. Robbed I or... didn't die. I was editing. Well, I can see that now. I can see you're not dead. Well, last night I uh, I went back to the hotel, and I said, okay. So I one of uh, John Brothers who works for Idea Ranch, which is a PR firm for Red Arc, who uh, does all the awesome uh, battery management stuff for uh, overlanding and off road mm-hmm. rigs and stuff like that. I apparently met up with Adam Sandler, who's a huge Red Arc fan and a huge Overlanding fan. And Adam apparently had tried to get them into some celebrity poker match in town that had, like, Matt Damon or something in it or what? Leonardo DiCaprio or something. So he, he sent me a, a voicemail, and he said, hey, uh, I've got this really weird opportunity. Are you? We got four tickets. Do you want to go? And I didn't see it till the next day. This is four tickets to the poker game. I, I guess, yeah. Okay, the poker match. And I'm like, that sounds super weird, but I'm like, yeah, sure. So anyway, I'm walking back. I left Thursday night open, and I'm walking back to my hotel. And he texts me, goes, "Oh man, it didn't work out. You know, sorry, blah blah." blah. I'm like, "Yeah, no, no worries." So now I have my night free. So I go upstairs. I sit down for a minute, and I go, "Oh yeah, I'm hungry." So I kind of just, uh, you know, unwind, kind of get caught up with emails for the day. Walk downstairs. I go down to the restaurant, and you know how, like, when you're super hungry, you don't... This is in your uh, Wally World Hotel? In Resorts World. Yeah. And uh, Dumbest name ever for a hotel? All these, uh, well, I'm at the Conrad's, so I'm, okay. I'm all bougie. Um, but what, what was interesting is they have all these great, like, restaurants, big old steaks and potatoes, and... No, I went and had a club sandwich. <laughs> of course you Because I was just like, I don't want a gut, but I feel like, you a know... Gut buster. Yeah, yeah. I just want to have something sort of light and clean. Yeah, yeah. So that was my first real meal last night. And when I say that, I, I, I mean, like, actually sit down. They have all been, this entire week has been stand and go at best. I think I have subsisted only on candy bars this week. No, I've watched you do that. Candy bars, Monster, and Cheez-Its. 
I think that's it. So this is, I, I'm looking at you going, wow, he really walked around a lot and had to get from place to place. Dude, I put on massive and, miles. And he only had one meal, yet he's just as big as ever. And I realized <laughs> it was because it was candy supplementing bars. with monsters and candy bars. Speaking of which, I think I have a, hold on a second. Up, he's grabbing the monster. Yeah, it's is there one left? Oh, yeah, look what happened! You pulled the monster out of the uh, thing, and a Milky Way wrapper there popped out go. with it uh, on the ground. Nice, lukewarm monster. It's horrible, horrible. Man, yeah. So I'm, I'm here, guys. I'm. You know why I'm here? Because I love you. That's why. I'm here. Yeah, he almost, he almost wasn't here. Why? I rolled up right at the last minute. No, no, no. My, my point was you woke up out of bed and went, nope, not today. <laughs> no, I Not I, today, America. I, no, I don't do that. I'll be tomorrow. I, I haven't done that. I'm here. I'm down for the count. I, I enjoy this too much to not be here to miss it. So, uh, yeah, let's well, do this. It's, yeah, you know, uh, I, I will say that we've had a ton of listeners at the show who have come up and said hi. That's been awesome. Take pictures with us. Saw a bunch of uh, stories on Instagram with uh, us doing our thing. So that was really cool. Really appreciate all you guys. Well, it's not good. Warm. Ooh, that look on your face just looks like... Uh, but here I go. Second one. Wow. <laughs> mm. Mm. You guys should have seen the look on Lightning's face. It was almost yeah. like he was... Uh, Eating rancid poop. Was it was. It's way. not that bad. It, that's the look no, you had on your face. Bad. It was. It was awful. So, anyway, we uh, we have to start the uh, start the show. We got to thank Nissan, our presenting sponsor. If you're mm-hmm. uh, in the market for a half ton or mid sized truck, check out the Titan, the Nissan Frontier. You can head on down to your local Nissan dealer or head over to nissanusa.com. And we also need to thank Duralast because without Duralast, a lot of these trucks would be in people's backyards. Yeah, they wouldn't on have box. gotten here. Yeah, that's true. right. So, if you're looking for uh, high quality parts that are uh, equal to uh, OE parts made by the same people. Or better. With a great warranty. Head over to your local AutoZone, DrillLastParts.com. And again, we got to thank Gail Banks, our good friend who donated his entire SEMA booth to us for an <laughs> entire week. And we're reminded by that every single time someone walks up to the booth and go, hey, uh, I've got a, a Derringer and I'm yeah. looking to add a pedal monster. Which one should I get? Is that a 64310 or a 64310 C? It's while we're recording when somebody walks up and goes, hey, where's the truck? And I'm like, <laughs> right. this is a 10 by 10 booth. There's no truck in this right. booth. No, or, unless we hung it from the ceiling, there's no room for it. Hey, I've got intermittent power issues with this thing I didn't plug in. Hey, dude, I'm doing a podcast right now. So yeah. uh, we had to cut some of the background noise out because uh, people are literally walking up going, hey, uh, when does this release? And all that good stuff. So anyway, Bankspower.com, uh, and if you have any uh, questions, contact customer service. No, don't do that. No, I'm here. They should do that, not talk to us. We're no, doing a No, no, no. Banks Power products are problem-free. Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's, uh, let's start the show. The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck, because truck rides with truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and holman Hey, Lightning, it's the final day of the uh, 2021 SEMA show. And Yay! <laughs> and we have yet another guest. I'm worried that we may be here far past close because it seems like uh, we have a closet full of guests. Well, it's weird. You booked interviews till like 8 o'clock tonight, and the yeah. show closed at 4.30. Oh, that seems to and be a problem. And security comes by at uh, at 5. Well, one of the interviews is with security. <laughs> oh, is it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How was the, the crowd this year? No, that would be a dumb interview. Please don't do that. Okay, we won't, we won't interview security, but we can interview our, our guests, Danny in our booth right now. Okay. Are we going to talk electronics? 
Sure. Okay, with SCT? Uh, yeah. One of the biggest names in electronics? Let's do it. Scott from SCT, in the house. All right, now you've got uh, two logos on your on your chest, and I know there's a relationship, but I'm not exactly sure what it is, between Bully Dog and SCT. Scott, tell us what you've got going on out here at, uh, at the SEMA show. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me, by the way. This is uh, great to be here. And, uh, that voice, yeah. by the way. Golden voice. Now, wait. Did, Golden did, voice of podcasting. Did it start that way at the beginning of the week? Or, have or was you it just a lot of cigars? A lot of baritone. No, I was actually a soprano uh, like four days ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, what? Uh, what ev- how are you debuting? Are you debuting new products wow, out here? You I are a mess. <laughs> <laughs> we got new products. Uh, we are debuting them here. And uh, we're, we're very excited to be here because it's the first time in a couple of years. So uh, we, we missed all of our friends and colleagues in the industry. Yeah, us too. I, I think one of the best parts about walking around is seeing all the people you haven't really seen in two years. Uh, your friends from other parts of the country, your own businesses. And uh, the vibe, I don't know for you guys, but for us has been amazing. I, I think the foot traffic has been really good and, and the SEMA show has not disappointed. No, not at all. Uh, good vibes all over, actually. And uh, it seems like everybody's kind of in the same frame of mind. Of, yeah. Hey, it's great to be here. It's great to see everybody. It's great to do business in person again. Yeah, it's, it's nice to be able to see uh, everybody's faces and shake hands and, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, you guys are in the tuning business. and Hot topic these days. Yeah, so Very hot topic. Let's talk about it a couple is. things. First, let's talk about some of the new products you have coming out for tuning. And then I want to pivot. Uh, we've had some conversations about uh, ECUs over the air updates, what's coming from the manufacturers. And I'm curious what you guys are thinking about in terms of strategies to combat that so you can keep serving the enthusiasts long down the road. Absolutely. So this year, we're actually rolling out uh, custom tuning coverage for the Cummins up through 2021. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, as well as preloaded support. So we've got uh, tunes available on the device or custom tuning available through our uh, Advantage 3 software. Um, that, that rolled out just literally a week ago, just prior to the SEMA show. Uh, we've also launched a new product called the Thruster, uh, as well as the Burst. Uh, those are throttle enhancement devices that uh, give the end user the ability to manipulate the sensitivity of the throttle. And uh, it, it gives a, a better user experience and kind of custom tailors the vehicle's driving characteristics to their personal style. Uh, so we're very excited about, about those new things and stuff. Um, in terms of the industry as a whole, you know, we, we face a lot of challenges, um, not just you know, SCT and Bully Dog, but, but everybody in our industry. And we're taking some proactive steps uh, in an attempt to work directly with the OEMs. Um, of course, we're, we're always going to be here. It's a, it's, you know, I, I think about 20 years ago and how the first-gen Camaro was still an A-moving product for everybody in this building. Sure. And 20 years later, the first-gen Camaro is still yeah. an A-moving product for, for most people in this building. So... You know, the, the 2022 Mustang that, that people are buying and modifying today, those are going to still be out there 20 years from now. Well, the, I, I was on a panel uh, with SEMA moderating. Chris Johnson from SCT was on the panel with me, and uh, along with uh, the guys from HP Tuners and Ford and Lingenfelter and Gail Banks. And it was a really great discussion about what's coming down the pipe, especially when in regards to tuning and cracking ECUs and accessing data and all that. And one of the interesting things is the average uh, age of a uh, vehicle here in the United States is 12 years. So that's a pretty long tail. If if all new vehicles ceased to be produced tomorrow, let's say you still have 12 years of of servicing vehicles with tunes and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have a long tail in this industry as a whole. 
Um, and that average age is an average, sure. um, you know, for, for, the, uh, for the country as a whole. Uh, you know, uh, the, the people that buy a Mustang and modify it, then 12 years later sell it and somebody else buys it and then somebody else buys it and then somebody else buys it. Um, you know, like I said, 20 years ago, um, you know, we were still selling carburetors and MSD boxes and yep. HEI distributors. Um, and, and today we're still doing the same thing. So, you know, our, our business is going to exist for a long time. Our business is going to be healthy for a long time. And I believe that the OEMs are, are going to uh, recognize the, the value of the aftermarket. Do you really? Because it, I mean, it, it seems to me that they are doing their best to keep us out of their ECMs. Well, and, and that and, goes back to our previous discussion, and this is on this panel. It's exactly mm -hmm. what we talked about. The OEs need us. We need the OEs. It has to be a partnership. Do they um, really it, know that they yes, need us, though? But it's not. It, you 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 talk as if it's a, a bunch of guys is sitting in a boardroom, like you know, petting cats, white cats in a chair. But there, that's not the case. There they, are some Holman. There are some. <laughs> no, they're not, not with the white cats. They don't have the cats. white cats, right? They're not sinister. But I do think there are people, the bean counters, who say, "Well, it's not. You know, it's, just, not just, it's not necessarily the bean counters. The lawyers. The lawyers. I'm sorry, lawyers. That's correct." What well, they're saying, Scott, would you agree that there are people that are, are, are saying we're going to be baking in autonomous features in some of the newer newer vehicles, right? And we can't have the common man get into the CCM and screws. He's looking maybe just as simple as a fuel table, right? Trying to increase his fuel and boost. But God forbid he gets in there and turns off some nanny feature that, yeah. that could well, kill well, someone. And keep in right? mind, you have a couple different things. You're talking about autonomous vehicles. There's also regulations coming out for cybersecurity. <laughs> because they don't want these autonomous vehicles to be hacked. So there's another layer of encryption that's coming to new vehicles. Then you have over-the-air updates on top of that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the manufacturers don't want the aftermarket, it's that the, the lawyers are protecting the company against risk and liability right. associated with it. So the encryption is, is and all that, a lot of that is coming from other regulations that have nothing to do with the performance side of the business. Okay, well, the, right, we're the, the end game baby is, in the bathwater. Okay. And, exactly. And the the OEMs don't hate us. They know we exist. They know that we help sell vehicles for them. And some of you have partnerships with the OEs. Uh, absolutely. And and I think the the long term intent here is going to be how do we, you know, how do we not throw the baby out with the bathwater, while providing the security and the encryption that's necessary for vehicle security, uh, for emissions protection, for warranty mitigation, etc. And that that's going to require dialogue, um, and that dialogue is happening. Is it really? It is. Okay. Because yeah. it, right now it seems as if if you want to modify your new car, you must swap the ECM or key components within in order to tune your vehicle. And because the ECMs are, are trying to lock you out, as they did years ago. And it depends on the manufacturer. So, for example, the Stellantis computer may have to get sent out to HP Tuner in the case of my Wrangler. As but, is a lot of but, GM devices. But SCT has the ability with maybe a Ford to plug into the OBD2 port. It just depends on the architecture and, and the manufacturer and what the relationship is. And, and sometimes, you know, you guys will get to a point where you've cracked the code to get in the ECU. And my, my uh, understanding is, but there's a key. So you can get in there if only you had the key. You got past those layers and now, but that key is safely stashed with the manufacturer. And so what you're saying is you're hoping the dialogue would give a favored nations clause, if you will, to trusted aftermarket manufacturers who would be given those keys to access the ECU, or at least levels of the ECU where you don't need all this other stuff here, you just want to access this one room within the within the house, and they're going to say, okay, here's the key to that room, 
have fun in there. We trust you. I like that analogy because that is what, from my understanding, that's what happened with Whipple and their supercharger system with Ford. Because they didn't get access to all of the ECM. They just got access to the tables they yeah. needed to, to go and make more power. But I, not, not like the body control module yeah. or any of that stuff. And I, I, right. I think that's where it's going to be going. And, and I would defer to you, Scott, since you're you know, in it every day. But I would think that in the future, it's not about unlocking ECUs. It's about unlocking the rooms you need inside the ECU. Right. And, and it's not going to be so much the... the person in the basement with moss growing behind their ear uh, <laughs> hacking a computer it's, sure. it's, it's going to be a partnership yeah um, and, and that's the direction that it's going to go but there, there is an awareness um, that you know the aftermarket exists uh, we help facilitate the sales of those vehicles uh, not just in the performance aspect but also in the fleet business um, you know you've got upfitters people convert you know ambulances you've sure. got utility trucks they need the keys to the castle too right just like we do um, and, and as a, as a fleet uh, business, uh, we have a vertical that's a fleet business as well. Um, so, you know, they, there is an awareness. There is, there is the foundation for partnership there. Um, and, and I'm confident that dialogue will be ongoing. Um, and, uh, you know, our industry is going to, to live to die another day. Sure. I, I, I also wonder, will, you know, Maybe it's something where on an autonomous car, let's say it's a GM with Super Cruise or something like that. Maybe it's one of those deals where that's the trade-off. If you want to do power and all that, then you lose the autonomous features on the car. Or maybe there's some sort of trade-off or compromise that allows the enthusiast to you know, still do big, rad, smoky, tire-eating burnouts um, with reckless abandon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, you look at the drive modes in, in the vehicles that are available today, you know, the different drive modes in a GT500, the different drive sure. modes in a C8. Yeah, they get it. It shows they get it. They know. Yeah, they those, know. Those things were born out of the aftermarket. Right. It, it, you know, a They're C8. They're here at SEMA right now. Right, exactly. And, and the, the, you know, the C8 doesn't have to have a drift mode. Right. Right. And the GT500 doesn't have, a, doesn't have to have a launch mode. Right. Um, the, the people that develop those things. Are enthusiasts. They're enthusiasts. Yeah. Uh, they know what they're doing. They're at a racetrack. Yeah, you know, we or, see the, or like the Mustangs that have the burnout mode where as long as your steering angle isn't cockeyed, you can, you know, do two pedal and get a rad burnout out of it. Right, and your no lift, uh, no lift shift functionality yeah. and, and whatnot. So they, they get it. They're car people, too. You know, they're building some amazing hardware. Uh, the, the best stuff that is, is available today to purchase. Um, you know, if you'd have told me 20 years ago, that you could walk in the door of a, of, a, of a Dodge dealer and write a check and, and drive home an 800 horsepower, <laughs> right. nine second vehicle. Right, you'd get be 20. crazy. Yeah, I'd be like, no way. Yeah, yeah, with a warranty. No way, and it's got a warranty and it yeah. passes emissions. And yeah, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, no, I've been I mean, telling people this whole week, we're in the golden age of the V8 and performance from the manufacturers. And if you want those vehicles, get it now because in two yeah, or three years they're gone. Yeah, go buy and them. And also go buy them for the very simple reason that uh, we need a robust used car market for those of us who can't <laughs> yeah, afford them right yeah, now. Exactly. Right, right. Go buy it. Don't yeah. turn it around sideways and put it into a telephone pole exactly. in third gear. That uh, These cars today it. that are worth, you come out of the dealer at $80,000 to $100,000, especially like the Hellcats, the TRXs, uh, five, probably 10 years, I guarantee you they'll be one of the highest appreciating vehicles out there because there's going to be a finite quantity and they're going to be the last of their breed. And I think that people are going to be grabbing them up and stuffing them in barns and garages, and those will be the next barn finds in 20 or yeah. 30 years. Yeah. It'll be $500,000 then. 
Right, right. Hey, Scott, can you talk me through how the Bully Dog and SCT systems work? Um, I know that there are some devices that you they come with a single tune plugged in. It's designed for your vehicle. Um, you can't configure it as as the uh, as the user. You just plug it in. It's got maybe three tunes. You know, a uh, uh, you know a tow haul, a sport, and a crazy. Right. Um, and then there are other devices that allow the, a, a custom tuner or a custom tune to be loaded by a professional. Where do you fit in that mix and what products are in each category? So we, we go to market with two brands, uh, Bully Dog and SCT. Uh, both of those organizations were competitors um, until we... It's funny, he married him. We, we got married, right? Yeah. And uh, there's been Did you been guys some... have a fist fight now, in the boardroom or how did you sell your Disney? You know, there, there was a little bit Dr. of that. Dr. Phil came and uh, talked to you guys. And, like, <laughs> we we had some therapy setting. sessions, yep. At which side of the house were you on prior? Uh, I started with Bully Dog and it was right in that period where uh, the homogenization between the two organizations. Okay. Um, of course, Bully Dog being out. I, I use this software. Well, we use this software. They don't work together. Which well, one are we going to use? Yeah. Well, one of the first things that we did uh, as, a, as an organization, you know, as a whole, uh, was we rolled out custom tuning functionality on the GT product line within Bully Dog, uh, which was the first time that that had been available. Um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a not as smooth as a process because it was something that we added, you know, after the product had already been in the market for several years. Um, but the reality is, you can you can custom tune with either the Bully Dog or the SCT product line, um, utilizing the Advantage Three software. So. The user that plugs in under the dash loads a, what we call a preloaded or canned tune. Uh, that's the tune that it comes with out of the box that we created internally. Okay. Um, if that user needs, you know, if they've done big turbo, big injectors, cam, you know, change cylinder heads, increase displacement. Um, a, a, Something you know, that doesn't fit under that canned tune. Right, exactly. Then... The, we have a network of about 1,500 custom tuning dealers. Oh, wow. Uh, that are throughout the U.S., Canada, and North America. And uh, those individuals will actually, you know, dyno the car, data log the car, and create a custom tune file for that vehicle specifically. Okay. So, Do they share that tune with you? Does that ever happen or no? That is entirely their intellectual property. Okay. So we facilitate the use with our software. Uh, but similarly to somebody that uses Microsoft Paint, Gotcha. Go you don't own their creation. We don't own their creation, just like Microsoft doesn't own whatever you created in that. Sure. Okay. And then for a consumer standpoint, what are the differences between Bully Dog and SCT? Where is each company? What's their customer base? Who are they targeted toward? You know, it's uh, there's been a lot of internal debate about that over the years, but you know, I think we finally kind of got that sorted out and recognized they really are two different brands. Sure. Um, they're two different companies uh, with two different product lines. So the the Bully Dog customer is more of the truck-oriented, um, your, your Silverado, your Dodge, your F-150, et cetera, uh, both gas and diesels. That's us, yep. <laughs> Here we are. Um, those are primary, the, the, the truck customer, um, that, that want to take a thing out of a box, put it on the dashboard, push some buttons, and it works. Uh, whereas the SCT customer is typically more of your performance-oriented passenger car guy. Sure. Mustang uh, guy, something so like that. So your Mustang yeah. person, okay. your, your, uh, you know, your Camaro person, your Corvette person. Those are guys that fear curbs. Exactly. Yeah, cars and coffees. Exactly. <laughs> fear no Mustangs. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there, there is a definitive difference. You know, we've, we've done a lot of research in the demographics between the two brands. And, you know, we, we've got the Bully Dog customer is, um, you know, got a personification. And then the, the SCT customer has a different personification. But, Generally, we, we see the Bully Dog customer being more of that 
truck customer, um, lifestyle enthusiast, okay. towing a boat, yep. uh, towing a fishing boat, going hunting, etc. Plug it in, product works. Needs a, needs a product yep, that will come I'm, out of the box yep. and work. I'm towing a trailer. I need an extra 70 horsepower just to get me up that long stretch without, you know, up downshifting. And uh, just plug it in and go. Right. And then uh, our SCT customer is, you know, putting big turbo and, and injectors and intercooler on their F-150 Eco. And, you know, they're going out and trying to set records with it. Awesome. So it, it, I see that the difference is SCT is the toolbox, right? Right. And whereas Bully Dog are the tools. Exactly. Yeah, that's very well put. So where can we uh, go for each brand, if uh, online or social? Absolutely. You can go to sctflash.com okay. uh, to, to view the whole SCT product line. And, of course, bullydog.com to, uh, to check out the entire Bullydog product line. Awesome. Well, I know our interview started out really rough because Lightning's having a, tr- a tough morning. <laughs> Did you but see that? I had a straight meltdown. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, hopefully you edited most of that out. Yeah, no, it's gone. <laughs> it was about five minutes of Lightning not being able to talk. Uh, he's glitching again. No, I had a, <laughs> I had a crazy stroke. Well, Scott, <laughs> I almost died right here, Scott. That was awful. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, awesome. And uh, talking about SCT, especially your insight onto uh, you know, ECUs, ECMs, all that good stuff. So appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, my pleasure. Holman, it's always weird explaining that my name is Lightning on the air because they look at me. They, they, they well, read my name tag. You don't have your uh, your patch on today that says Lightning. If you I wear know. your truck show shirt, it would say Lightning on so, it. So look what I did. So in here, in my backpack, in my backpack yeah. I, I thought I had my truck show podcast. Oops, it's another it's bank another shirt. shirt. God yeah. damn it. You should have brought your blue one. That, yeah, because normally know. we rotate. And you don't have a blue bank shirt. I, yeah, true. Yeah. So uh, well, can, tomorrow I'll have my Chuck Show podcast which shirt Which color so I know which one not to bring? Uh, I, I like the black, so you do the blue. No, no, I already did blue this week. You do blue. God, I don't like the blue. Well, you bought the what blue. What if I do black long sleeve? Because I brought a long sleeve. Oh, long sleeve's lame. You don't it have a long shop shirt with long sleeve. No, I know. I've, I never, I've never worn the one that you got me. Uh, well, so we're going to have to both be black. Is it, we're both in black tomorrow. I'm sorry. I think if you're going to live up to name Lightning, I think you should wear a tinfoil shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I have a tinfoil hat. Will that do? Uh, that's close. Yeah. Okay. It's an accoutrement. Okay, exactly. Oh, see, oh Winnebago Man. Accoutrement. Oh, yeah. We love Winnebago Man. <laughs> Who are we here with and why? You know, this is my uh, my friend Mario Donovan, who, uh, AT Overland. Right. He has been, he's like this modern Overland movement that I would say is is in full swing now and started really like in the 70s and 80s for like, uh, I guess like U.S. people. Right? Of course, we talk about Overlanding being car camping on steroids but the people like turtle expedition and those types of people oh yeah were doing that then but before it really caught on where you could have purpose-built trailers and campers and things like that mario's like one of the first people to go in there into that market he was like the guy when you wanted to figure out how to do solar charging on a vehicle or how to do you know water and all that when you people were making like these weekend warrior type vehicles that would have the some of the accoutrement of a rv or something like that mm-hmm. mario was one of the first to kind of show people the way of like you could do this you can still have this daily driver and go on an adventure and then your company expanded and you've got global travelers using your products around the world yeah that's right yeah so the tell me about the company and how you got started and what you were making because you just covered like eight topics right yeah there. right yeah <laughs> yeah well it's interesting i originally wanted to start a tour company but I ended up becoming a manufacturer. Uh, and, and that was based on the, the people that I rescued out in the desert. Uh, it was usually Spaniards or Frenchmen or 
And so I thought, well, these people need somebody to show them around the desert. Is so that wait, all wait, the people that would go to Death Valley because they loved it in wintertime or something? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You'd find somebody, you know, broken down with, you know, three flat tires and didn't speak English. And they're like, where are the springs? You know, <laughs> you're not like, close. Yeah, no, you're really far. You, you need to go. And you probably were, should have water with you. What also. were you rescuing them with? What were you driving? Uh, I was driving a Comanche. Okay. Yeah, yeah fully outfitted. I mean, pretty you, much. Yeah. Okay, so you were again, like as Holman said, early to this whole scene, right? yeah. living off the grid. Yeah, yeah, right? very much. Yeah, the back of the Comanche was set up with drawers, and I had dual battery system. And back in the day, I brought in an angle fridge from from Australia. They didn't exist in the U.S. Yeah, there, at I mean, that overlanding time. really is sort of a like overlanding as we sort of know it today. At least domestically, it's a little bit different than the international travelers, but it really sort of started at, in South Africa and Australia, mm. and they sort of had these products that maybe ARB and a few others were maybe the first to kind of bring them to the U.S. market. Yeah, I'd say Arab was one of the yeah. first. Yeah. In, 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 at least in any volume with maybe the first you know, company that was really sort of known for, for providing that kind of stuff before the cottage industry got going. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, they were definitely one of the first. And it was, it was very novel at the time. Like you're going, I remember the first time that I saw an ARB fridge freezer was on a trip, um, I think it was with the manufacturer. I don't, I don't remember what vehicle it was, but it was the end of like a really hot day. And we were in Moab or someplace like that. And they pulled out ice cream for everybody out of this freezer. Oh. And you're going, what is this magic you have in the back of there, <laughs> right? And, and that was the first time that I really ever experienced it. Engel was one of those really high quality brands, but had zero... Uh, you know, a brand equity here in the United States. Nobody knew about it. Nobody knew about it. ARB made them a recognized brand. Yeah. And just an amazing product. But like you are saying, your MJ had drawers. And mm-hmm. the things that are very common today. Yeah, exactly. Nobody had that back then. Nobody had that. And, and how did you find yourself making these for other people? Well, it was interesting. Uh, I thought I was going to be a tour guide, like I said, and then uh, it turned out that I couldn't find any of the equipment that you would need in order to scale that up. So I ended up building that equipment. And what I first started to do was import trailers from South Africa. And uh, one of the first four raised was to drag two South African trailers over the Rubicon. And I got back and realized, yeah, we need to redesign them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a lot of work. Anybody... Even today with a pintle and a rotating hitch, dragging a trailer off-road is a lot of work. And I I think people underestimate because I know a lot of people who are like, oh, I really want an off-road trailer. They're like, are you sure? It's completely different. Now, there's nothing better than having a base camp with an off-road trailer. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. But you have to have the right setup and the equipment to make it. So it's. Mm -hmm. I remember Jeep had that one Mopar trailer they made for a couple years. Right. We we did a cover on four-wheeler because we had a a matching uh, project vehicle. And I remember towing it down this uh, road, and I realized that if I got in the whoops, I could make the trailer get air. Uh-huh. And I'd watch the trailer do this behind me, completely leaving the ground. I'm going, this is weird. <laughs> and everything in it is being destroyed. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, well, that's what drove our design for our trailing arm air suspension. Yeah. It was the realization that the on-the-road axles were not appropriate and, and for the off-road trailer. And you guys were, I, if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of innovators with that suspension setup, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we not, were. not only did you have a suspension that could conform to terrain, but when you go camping, you could air up one side or the other to level it mm-hmm. for your bedding and things like that. But anyway, going back to the trailers, that was that was novel because I remember, I mean, that had to be what, early 2000s? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, it, we started in 2000. Yeah, so I remember being at Four Wheeler when the trailer came out and we were trying, we're like, look at this independent rear trailer with airbags 
that can, you know, self-level, and you're going, oh, this is kind of mind-blowing because nobody had seen any or done anything like that before. Yeah, no one had done anything like that. The inspiration actually came from watching uh, big rigs with air ride suspensions going down the corrugated. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. They soak it up, right? If you've got something fragile to deliver, you make sure it goes in an air ride semi. Yeah. And that washboard is the, the worst. Yeah. And you're basically building a, a single axle trailer. They're pretty short. What's the overall length? Or, or how, I guess the better question is, if I got a trailer today from you versus one of your original designs, what has changed in that time period? What, have, what are the learnings? Well, first of all, we don't make trailers anymore. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there would definitely have been an evolution from, okay. you know, from 20 years ago. Um, just the geometry and the, the simplicity that we put into it, that was the key. Uh, the more complex the, the system, the more likely you're going to have something break. So we tried to keep it really simple. So is the, the bulk of the business now the, the campers and the slide-ins? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's the campers, uh, the toppers, yeah. and, uh, and our flatbed products, and, and doing vehicle building. Now, why did you get away from trailers? Is that because trailers are paying the butt to tow off-road? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I actually, uh, we hung on to uh, two of our models of trailers mm -hmm. as legacy units, and, and we love them. Yeah. Um, no, the, the market got pretty populated, and uh, it was a crowded space to be in. Even four-wheel parts did, like, a build-your-own-trailer after a yeah, while. Absolutely. And all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and I feel like there's a race to the bottom. Yes. There was sort of like there's two trailers you could get. Imported ones from Australia or South Africa that right. were pretty expensive. Mm -hmm. And then a race to the bottom of domestically made trailers or imported trailers that were, like, do-it-yourself and weren't very strong but maybe looked the part. They, they looked the part, you know, you bolt on a little bit of diamond plate and, you know, put a larger tire on it and call it off-road trailer. Right. But really, the, the suspension is key, and you just can't take an on-the-road axle and, and make it work really well off-road. It, yeah. it, it just doesn't work out. So when did you switch over to doing the campers and all that? Uh, we started doing the campers. That started with the very first JK Habitat, if you recall yes. that, that we put, uh, we put it on a J8. And... Uh, that was in 2007, I think, was when Is the it JK... that long ago? Yeah, when the JKU came out. Yeah. Um, and I remember the cool thing about that was it had the flip top, yep. and you had the, was it Nemo 10, I guess, in there? Yeah, we partnered with Nemo yep. for the tent design. And well, the cool thing is most tents are either a pop-up wedge, where it's like a 90-degree angle, mm -hmm. or they're a pop to the side, where it kind of is a, a, a hard shell awning down below, and yep. it, you, you double the space. What you guys did was you popped it forward lengthwise and yep. made this incredibly huge living and sleeping space. Yeah, it, it took, uh, I mean, it took a, the JKU and it created a 15 and a half foot long living space. And so later on, we we realized that the just being in the JK market was too narrow for us. So we got into the truck topper market. Yeah. And uh, we took that same tent and we spun it around 180 degrees so it flip off the back and give you an awning and a patio ah. off the back. And uh, that took off. Yeah, there's a picture. Oh, he's got the photo right there. Damn, that's a lot of living space. It is. And it's interesting. We use that. Two stories. Yeah, we use that same tent on the uh, uh, for the gladiator habitat. And the gladiator's got a five-foot bed. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, well, it's very small. It's tiny. And then you open that up, and all of a sudden, you have 15 and a half feet of living space. You got shade. Yeah. You got room for the family. You don't have to just pick your favorite person from home to bring with you. Yeah. And you can stand up on the inside and, you know put your pants on like a real adult <laughs> you know as opposed to laying down trying yeah. to shimmy into We've your jeans that. <laughs> right now yeah. you the habitat is the flip back style yeah 
And then you also have the AT Summit. The AT Summit, and uh, that was basically a leveraging of the same parts and making new, new types of products out of the same parts. Uh, and we did that particular unit so that people could carry a load on top and still open it up. In fact, here at SEMA in the Ford booth, uh, there's a concept truck on an F-150 and they called it the double duty. So it's set up as a work truck on one side, you open up one door and there's all these tools and things in there, and then you open up the other side and you have access to all the camp gear. Ah. But they can still maintain on the roof their work ladder, the shovel. The true so, weekend warrior. So it's, it's on there it, even when it's open. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, just oh, like right that. Oh, right here. Yeah, so that's Dang. open. Oh, wow, look at this. Double duty F-150. Yeah. yeah it's we, got a skylight as well. It mm -hmm, has a skylight. It's got interior lighting. We partnered with, uh, with uh, Michael Hallmark from Helwig on this yep. to put this project together. Or as we like to call him, Mark Helmike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, he is. He is. Yeah. And then you also have the AT Atlas, which is your latest truck topper. And Correct. that's a pop straight up style. Yeah, pop straight up. Uh, the reason for doing that particular model was that the wedge style can be a little bit constraining for someone who's over like 6'1 or 6'2. Yeah, six their two. toes will touch the edge of the wedge yeah. if they're laying mm -hmm. down kind of thing. So we took exactly the same parts and we changed the mechanism to have it pop straight up. So that gives you, you know, the full length of the bed without any toe constraint. And it's just a little bit roomier on the inside, and it's easier to sit up on the bed. So when you're doing that, is what's popping up? Are they using, you've got gas struts, or you've got an X-frame that goes up, or what keeps it from tacoing? So we have a bifold mechanism that's made from aluminum, and then there are gas struts that also give an assist when you pop it open. Okay. And yeah. also easy to put down, a one, one or two person operation? It's one person. If you can't do it in 30 seconds, we're going to repossess it. <laughs> <laughs> can we do a test with lightning to see if he can do it in 30 seconds or less? <laughs> I, I'm pretty handy. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I don't know if we plug him in. <laughs> <laughs> and where I wear my tinfoil hat. Yeah, that's there right. You go. Yeah. So what, what are the campers made out of? Is it aluminum or composite? Yeah, they're made from 5052 uh, sheet aluminum, 090 thick, most, most parts. Uh, and then we bond a one inch uh, honeycomb composite to it. And that gives it uh, rigidity. Super strong. Super strong. Yeah. Yeah. And insulation. Right, you're trapping air. You, you get 3.6 R value for every inch of trapped air. So it, it adds that into the wall and into the ceiling, and then the bed platform is made out of the same stuff. So you don't get that cold spot under yeah, your back when right. you're sleeping. It's really nice. So what other options, if I were to choose between the toppers, what kind of options do you make to outfit the inside? Uh, we do drawer systems, cabinetry systems, uh, power systems. Uh, and it's all designed for super rough roads. and, and, and oh, yeah. so, so you could go do the racetrack in Death Valley at, you know, 30 miles an hour and your fillings would all fall out but everything in the in the top would be fine yeah yeah your popsicles would be a one piece <laughs> <laughs> that's very important that yeah. and my beer bottles right, so right. where are you where are you finding silly things like fast not not fasteners but latches and things like that that are they're not i don't know where else you'd use latches cabinet latches and stuff like this in the real world outside of like overlanding it's it just weird boating Bo oh i, I guess boating marine, probably oh, marine, right yeah yeah, we use some stuff out of the marine environment. We've taken other designs and then enhanced them, where we realize that there's a latch that works pretty well in a cabinet environment, but it doesn't work well in a high vibration environment because the catch needs to be changed. So we'll modify the catch. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you've had to invest a ton of money in molds, die cast pieces, or 
Like, I mean, you're ma- if you're making those small parts, that's where there's a lot of expense there. Everything, right? everything is laser cut and bent. Gotcha. Yeah, and there's an efficiency in that. Okay, and you're doing that in-house? Uh, we have a contractor that we use that's local to us in Prescott okay. uh, for most of our large components. And then small things we do on plasma in-house. And then we also run a CNC router. Gotcha. And that cuts all of our composites and other, other materials for cabinetry. Okay. What kind of staff do you have there building these? Uh, we, good ones? Yeah, good ones. Yeah, I assume that. Yeah, yeah guys with 10 fingers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got 18 staff uh, in Prescott which is, you know, pretty significant for a small town. Sure. Yeah. It's how, cr- how long does it take to build a, a camper? Uh, or a topper. We'll get in the camper in a minute. It's It, it depends. It's uh, The base unit, you're looking at about 32 man hours. Okay. To so not, not too bad. It's not too bad. We're, we're cranking out about five to eight units a week. Wow. that's that, I mean, that's pretty good volume for a small company. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, thankful for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> are, are do you are there many options, or do you find it's better to uh, have just a, a, a couple of units that you, you? If you offer too many, then it gets really confusing in the marketplace, which we've said before about other products. Uh-huh. People have a tendency to like want to be able to customize everything, but then you offer the customer too much, and they they, they have this you know. Well, cor- too many options. So, do you have it fully built, and then like a base one? Is there a couple different levels? How do you typically offer them for sale? So, so we offer it as a base unit. So we view it as. We're selling pizza, right? You, you, you're going to buy the pie, but, yeah. and it's going to have tomato sauce on it, but you're going to decide what your toppings are. And so our clients typically will look at the base model, but it's very rare that we do just a base unit. And what's the wait time on having one of these mates? If, I, if we went back to the office Monday and ordered one, we'd have it when? Christmas? Uh, no, you wouldn't have it that fast. We are booked. Uh, right now, we're booked for 30 weeks. Wow. Oh, yeah. damn you. Yeah, a lot of it is our... Time e- to staff up that 18-8 cut, <laughs> that made, my friend. Well, hey, exclusivity's good. Yeah, raw materials is, is, yeah. is the yeah. bottleneck. Yeah, right? which is the yeah, supply chain right now. Yeah, so yeah. you're using all that aluminum in it. There's a lot of aluminum in, in use, a lot of the composite. Uh, there's a lot of things that happen in supply chain, both in the U.S. and abroad, that impacted that. Um, right now, we're facing potential shortages of aluminum in 2022 because they can't mine enough magnesium and silicon to make it. So it'll Which be. Is, it seems amazing because if if there's not enough aluminum for Dr Pepper cans, I'm going to be very disappointed because uh, soda in plastic bottles. Sucks. No, that's crazy. There have been a couple articles just recently about the magnesium and what's the other material? Where silicon. They silicon. Yeah. And they yeah they can't get out fast enough. It's going to be a global shortage of aluminum. Yes, it and is. And everything yep. wheels, aluminum. Yeah. cans. You know, it's ball ball makes it both cans. I've yep. got a monster can. You got a Dr yep. Pepper. Yep. Both made with ball cans. Yep. Yeah. What's gonna happen there? Alcoa wheels. Like, oh, I mean, everything's going to be a fill arms. Yeah. I mean, know. that's gonna go up. Fuel prices are about to go up. Yep. Like everything is about uh, to go up. Fuel prices are way up. It's everything yeah. is gonna. We're gonna get crushed. Yeah. It's it's pretty interesting. Like the, our honeycombs are uh, are made with PPG, which is a polymer as a byproduct of cracking oil, and. When the whole event, weather event happened in Texas, it shut down all those refineries. Well, that constricted the supply of that material. That was 90% of the U.S. production came out wow. of Texas and Louisiana. So we ended up on allocation for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So, it, you know, we, we stockpile now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> so moral of the story is, if you're looking for an AT Overland tr- topper, topper yeah. you need to place your order yesterday. Or 30 weeks ago. Or, <laughs> 30 weeks or ago. check in with our dealers. Cause what oh, our, so there's some stock? Well, what our dealers do is they order block orders 
Oh, the so they can outfit one if you can get one of their production slots. Right, yeah. So they've reserved the production slot. So we always ask, like, where are you located? Oh, yeah, scamming the system. I like yeah. that. He's yeah, they're smart. good at it. Smart. Yeah, yeah they're good at now, it. Now, you guys also have the flatbed camper, the uh, Terra XL, yeah. for tray beds or, or flatbed trucks. Right. And that's more like your traditional expedition-style camper where it's like a habitat, you know? It's yeah. not, not, not as... Um, temporary as like a pop-up tent or a camper it's a little bit more yeah it RV. was it was designed for full-time expedition living um it's made out of honeycomb composite it's really lightweight we are the lightest camper in our class period uh 1250 pounds with that camper i saw you driving this exact vehicle going to phoenix pulled behind a bicycle nope oh <laughs> going to phoenix I, I i can't remember if it was for if i was going to overland expo uh or you know you must have been coming back from something in california uh-huh. anyway i was in my my jake uh, my jl yeah and uh i go i know that i know that uh 3500 4500 okay, with, yeah. with the snorkel and everything on it I'm yeah like, oh, that's mario hi so anyway I, it's funny it just reminded me that oh yeah i, I passed you on the freeway uh, not too long ago uh, okay well it's hard to miss that yeah right it's, <laughs> a, it's a unique shape uh the geometric shape is what gives it its strength yeah as i say it's probably for strength and also you don't need necessarily need to have headroom on the corners of it right so it shaves weight and also strength yeah yeah exactly yeah it was designed with you know that ergonomic space in mind yeah. that you don't have to allow for that space between your head and your shoulders and that taper and all of those trapezoids is what so makes of, it strong. Yeah, think of a, uh, the roof, and it's it's faceted on every side. And mm-hmm. so the uh, the roof, the flat part of the roof, is smaller than the edges of the camper, and then it's uh, it's faceted down from there. Yeah. So are you seeing more retired people who are have the time now and the money, or are you seeing younger families who just want to get away from the cities and adventure and spend time together outdoors? Um, I would not say that we're mostly seeing retired we're mostly seeing people in their 40s and 50s okay uh, but we're also dealing with a lot of mobile workers oh interesting yeah we're specking out a build right now for a uh, remote nurse okay and we're working on a truck uh, that we're finishing up in the next couple of weeks for a remote doctor it's got 120 gallons of water on board and a Jeez. boatload wow. of energy and communication stuff. and you know, But he goes out in the field and then poof, he's out there. Hope he has a big red cross on the side of that thing. You know? <laughs> it's like a, sounds like a mercy ship for off-roading. Yeah, almost. Right? Yeah. So we are doing a lot of this purpose-built stuff. That's very cool. So you can customize to, to the need. You guys have a, 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 the ability to really drill down and say, you know, if, if there's something weird somebody wants, you guys can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So where does, if we want to go shopping for your wares, where are you online? Uh, you'll find us at atoverland.com. And, well, that's uh, easy. Yeah, it should be pretty easy. At Overland. <laughs> atoverland.com? Okay. Overland. Yep. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, it's been a while since I had a chance to talk to you, so appreciate you carving yeah. out the time. I know you're uh, busy at SEMA, but... What did you think of the uh, the Overland section here? Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought there were a fair number of types of vehicles represented. Yeah. So people could see all the different flavors uh, because it does come in all different flavors. It, it, it's amazing. I mean, it really is, you know, like we've talked about before, car camping, all the way up to uh, off-road RV that'll take you anywhere self-sufficient. Yeah. I, I would say you could really define overlanding by just saying it's vehicle dependent travel whether yeah. you do it with you know your hatchback and a pup tent yep or you do it in your multi-thousand dollar 
you know, refrigerator box vehicle <laughs> that was formerly a military truck. Sure. Then it's still the same thing. Yeah. You know, you're getting out there and you're traveling within your means. Yeah. I think, I think the important thing is getting out there. I think uh, as good as it is to uh, be in town, it's nice to disconnect from everybody for a while and, and, and go uh, recharge out in the middle of nowhere and watch some stars. Which I have a feeling that's what Holman's going to do on uh, Sunday. He's going to disappear for about a month oh, after God. this. I, I wish, except yeah. i got to go... Uh, to work. i got to go to work. Yep. Uh, yeah. But that's good medicine. You should do it more often. Going to work or going out to... No, <laughs> no, no. Work is a four-letter Did, word. Yes. You mentioned Star Lake a minute ago. Uh, we were out at our uh, four-wheeler Overland Adventure, and we were all standing out there, and all of a sudden... Here comes these weird lights in the sky. Oh, yeah. And the first time you see it, you don't know what it is. You think you're being invaded. Yeah, 100%. Yes. You think aliens are coming down to take you away. The first time I saw it was at the Flagstaff Observatory, and there were about 40 of them that went yeah. across the sky and I had no idea it what it was. It freaks you the hell out. This yeah. is what? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, Elon Musk. The satellite uh, yeah, it, array, Basically, it's a bunch of like micro-satellites that travel in a line to provide global um, Wi-Fi or internet connectivity. Okay. Yeah. And he's launching them all over the world, and they're on these really interesting uh, orbits and paths. But when they come, because there's a bunch of them together, it's like a dotted line across the sky brighter than the moon Yeah. that twinkles and extends as it goes over you, and then as it gets out of the sun, disappears. And it moves oh. pretty fast. And it moves fast. And you were like, I have no idea. I mean, you literally <laughs> think that aliens are coming to abduct. You're like, this wow. is it. This is how it ends. Well, he's okay. He's got a tinfoil hat. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Good point. <laughs> All right. ATOverland.com. Thank you. All right, gentlemen. Thank, <laughs> thank you very you. much. It's a pleasure. Holman, who is next up on deck here at Truck Show Podcast Booth, powered by Banks? Oh, uh, we see a shirt here that says Black Lake on it, which reminds me, if I'm thinking of Black Lake, Sounds like a certain massive asphalt uh, pad at a certain proving grounds for a certain manufacturer. Mm, close? It does sound a lot like that. It uh, sounds like the one that you've been to. Seth Ravendahl here is uh, with Black Lake. Correct. And so you guys decided, I guess you're, from what I understand, a bunch of former engineers who may have played on the Black Lake at some point and yep. decided to build what maybe the OE who owns the Black Lake wouldn't build. Yeah. Am I, I close? You're close. I okay. Don't, I don't want well, to put it that way. As why in. are you alluding to something? To explain. I, I don't know what you're saying. You're speaking in code. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm, I'm setting up the stage here. So um, General Motors, has a uh, the Milford Proving Grounds, has a massive, giant, black asphalt skid pad. Like, we do all sorts of uh, vehicle dynamics testing and things like that. And the engineers refer to it as Black Lake. So when Correct. you say giant, how many square feet? Oh, Half it's, mile? It's, or it's, Tens of acres, probably. Oh, it's, really? It's a big. Yeah. It's a big facility. Okay. It's and so big that when it's hot, you actually see the heat in the oasis, and it looks like a lake. Okay. Yeah. So, Mr. Seth Randall, what did you do there? Like, how? Explain your. Give us uh, the the snapshot, the backstory. Uh, definitely, this is no association of what we're doing now. But at, at that point, I was the engineering manager for Chevrolet Performance Parts, uh, and got to go out on that lake and have a little fun at times. <laughs> um, and, but actually, that, that's a, a really fun coincidence that that name is the same. Uh, we had another business. We were looking to try to get into this. I guess to back up, I've left General Motors, and now we're part of Black Lake Research and Development. Uh, and really, the charter of Black Lake Research and Development is to try to take our years of automotive industry experience and the integration that's there. I mean, when you look at these things that the OEs are making, they're absolutely phenomenal, right? And then I come out here, and I'm 
just even more jacked up. <laughs> around at all the stuff that's out what here. What are you people doing? You're all you've all gone mad. Right? Well, not not it's awesome. Yeah, not just the mad, but just the creativity yeah. and the passion and the products. And and then you get out, and you start meeting guys like you, and and it just. I go. I'm getting goosebumps now. I go home on the you know on the plane, and I could stay out all night tonight. So <laughs> full of ideas. Yeah, yeah. So full of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're very very a uh, lot of inspiration here. Correct. Correct. And and I always, in the automotive industry, we all know. And, and I don't ever want to come in here and say that that General Motors should have done something or Ford should have done something. Once you're there, you realize that to run a company that organization, there's rules, there's requirements. You're doing mass production. You have very specific parameters. And you have to stay within the box. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be on the fringe of that box. Correct. But it's very hard without a champion way up in management who's willing to put their career on the line to go outside of that box. Yeah, and, and especially, you know, you know, and then it's the resources to go sure. there. And and when we talk about GM specifically, the amazing stuff that they're doing. I mean, over in the other hall, that electric Hummer is just... I, I had a chance to drive it. Did you? Yeah, I went out to Milford and... Uh, and I didn't. It was... I mean, Todd Hubbard's a good friend of mine. Okay. And he and I got a chance to go out, and he was showing me all the modes and what it can do. And I was like, "This is this is special." And I'm not an EV homer by any means. Yeah. I tell people that. I'm like, I'm not I'm not sitting here on the edge of the pier waiting for the sunset of uh, <laughs> ice engines and going, I can't wait for EVs. But I'm also not saying, "Ooh, get away from me." Yeah. There's some really cool things you can do from an engineering perspective, and the Hummer is fantastically amazing in ways that it's hard to describe unless you put somebody in. It was interesting because I was uh, uh, listening to his audio that he recorded when he was in Milford and he had just previously driven the Rivian and a couple other EVs and I think that he wasn't expecting to be as blown away by the by the Hummer, at least that's how it sounded to me, as you were. Yeah, right and agreed. from it, down to silly things like the sound effects that they used, which were created by like uh, a gaming company. Right, but it wasn't but just the sound effects; it's how they the, were used. They were appropriate. Right, they just weren't gratuitous. Because they were appropriate for for every situation, and they were unique and yet not grating. Um, they but were they were fun, necessary. It necessary. Was, it, so yeah. I know. Yes, it's fun. Yes, they. Whatever. But they, were, they gave you the feedback you needed. But when you drive an EV vehicle, you don't have that visceral feedback. And Hummer put that back in and Otter, so yeah. you knew what the tires and drivetrain are doing. Um, so, so this, guys, you've laid the perfect segue to where I'm at, yep. right? I mean, I, I, I'm a huge Chevy homer, right? So it, <laughs> for me to come on here and say anything adversarial, I love the place. I love yep. what they do. Um, and, and if you've driven a ZR2, and I can't wait to drive the new ZR2, just phenomenal. Phenomenal balance of off-road. Love the ZR2. I, in fact, I had a chance to drive ZR2 several times on the Suaro Trail in Yuma. And so I was one of the only journalists, I may still only be the only journalist that's ever driven a development vehicle on Suaro. Can I, can I scoot over here by Jay? Because you've got to do all the things I never got to do at GM. It's uh, amazing. And, and Suaro is awesome. And ZR2 is, it, it, there's a reason it's so popular in the midsize market because front and rear lockers and the multimatic shocks and the DSSVs and yeah. the tires. I mean, all the things that you, they put into it. But... Again, it's GM. It's a little bit short, and it needs 33-inch tires, and it would be nice yeah. if they did this, but the vehicle as a platform is foundational, which I think is where we're going, is a phenomenal place to start yeah. if you want yeah. to take that next step. Yeah, and, and definitely we'd love to do, uh, not we, I shouldn't say that. You can. I'll tell you that there's people in GM that want to put the big Absolutely. tires, they want to do this, but then, but then you start getting into the, you know, the side impacts, the crash yeah. protection, all the structures are there, and they, and they just or, can't. Yeah, they're they're they're. Or they're even strong. things like can yeah. the can the factory put that those different parts on the different fenders, the bedsides, yeah. the wheel and tires. Is it too wide for the track that it rolls on? I mean, correct. There's so many things that go into building a vehicle. It's not yes. Can can they do it? Absolutely. 
What does it have to go to a, 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 a second party or third party upfitter afterwards? Right. Well, does it make financial sense in many cases? Does it make financial sense? Can we control the quality? Can we spend the money to truly validate it? I mean, General Motors is a huge organization and, and the last thing they can do is put themselves where their reputation, they build amazing, amazing products. I mean, C8, ZR2, yeah. the, new, the new SUVs that are out there. The electric, you know, the Hummer, the electric cars. So, yeah. so yeah, they've got to pick their battles. And definitely, as you said, they with the ZR2, they ran all the way out to the edge of that envelope and said, within our architecture yeah. is what we can do. Um, and so, when that sort of parlays into us, me and, and my partner and some of the people that are coming on board have definitely spent a lot of time in this industry, and, and we see that. And you were making some comments, I wish I could remember them now, about how it all seemed to go together, you know, how it made sense, the sounds and everything are in there. So. I look out here and I just get jacked up excited about what's there. I want to do so many things. I got to start, you know, putting blinders on it. Go back and say, stop, 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 you know. But, uh, and the people, the insp just the inspiration I get from this. But then it, the thought was, maybe if we, maybe if we left, we could take a lot of that experience, a lot of the, the appreciation and the experience with integrating things. And, and when you think about how just visually, you know, we all see something, we're like, yeah, that's super cool what they did, but maybe it doesn't tie quite right. How do we do that? Um, so we went to a professional designer, graphic arts guy, and, and we left and we said, we want to build a pre-runner. It's not, it's nothing that, we're not trying to say GM should have built that in any way. We're just saying, we want to build a pre-runner. Well, it's no different than, let's say, uh, AEV, for example. A lot of former Jeep engineers are over right. there because yeah. they wanted to take that platform to the next level. Yeah. It's, it's same with you guys. You saw a white space that was deserving of taking that great foundational piece and you know, our friend Tim Herrick, who was, you know, yeah. who was the chief engineer on that and oversaw all that, and Jacqueline McQuaid, and all that good work that those folks inside GM have done, and then take it to that next step. Correct, correct. To take something that, that we just, I mean, I heard you guys talking about the Trail Boss, and that's where, yeah. that's where our truck started. I mean, it, and it's just so much fun. You, you start to look at this, and what can we do with it? Um, and then I've been blessed in my career through through Goodyear and through GM to have met people like Bill Milliken from Race Car Vehicle Dynamics and, and Brian Cadella and you get to meet people like Jeff Ryan from JRI and you step back and you say, man, if I can take this creativity and vision and I can sort of embed that in these guys and get them to sort of help us architect, this is not us by any stretch of the imagination. This is this is sort of it's an collaborative. Yeah, it's an amalgamation of a lot of really talented people. Um, and and uh, just be able to pull that together, as well as say, how do we make this? I, I got to well, be very careful. When I say this. I don't yeah. want to imply that GM is doing this or they right. are endorsing this. That that's not. Right. That is completely. Well, it's separate. not. It's Black Lake. Yeah, so Black Lake. let's talk about Black Lake and what it is. What are your goals and what are you what are you going to offer? What are you offering now? Like, what is the plan? So what we want to do is we really want to get to be where we are designing and developing some some unique, bespoke, custom products, but then small volume. Be able to take all the engineering that it takes to try to integrate it and make it look more like an OE part and then be able to build a few or 10 or 100, whatever whatever we're blessed to sell. Is it, an, I, is it okay to compare you to AEV? I am. I'm, I can make a. You can I mean, say that my aspirations are to be like. That, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, so, yeah. they don't make massive quantities, but they're in with the OEs. They make incredible quality products that are almost over-engineered. Yeah. They're they're yeah. they're very impressive. I mean, look, at, look at the ZR2 Bison, yeah. right? Like that was an amazing collaboration that right. GM never does with an outside company ever. Right. So is that and your, it has their badging from General Motors yeah. at, for, at 
uh, your Chevy dealer. Is that your that's your goal? And and if so, you know, how how are you? Are you running parallel with that, or what parts are you out to make? Like I'm trying to wrap my yeah. head around the vision. So what, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to deliver a complete vehicle. I think we're going ah. so far beyond what could be validated as something to sell through a dealership. Yeah. To be a partner to GM is is something I would love to do. Man, would I be proud to ever get there? But I don't yeah. see that in the runway. But what we see is trying to build something where we build something that's that's almost as amazing as the rest of out here that has just incredible off-road performance. We've we've gone to basically full pre-runner suspension on this thing, but then tie back into that a lot of the detail, the attention to detail, custom bumpers that fit the Silverado, you know, and go into that interior and add our accessory controls and build trim pieces that look like they fit. So the guy gets it and he can... OE quality, yeah. but design and function that next step. Yeah, and, and where you guys ended up is the new XT1 truck. Yeah. And oh. and that is, you can think of it as somewhere between Raptor and TRX in that in that sandbox with, with those vehicles in a way that, you know, Trail Boss, it took a leap, but Trail Boss plays in more of a TRD Pro type area. And XT1 steps it up and plays in more of a Raptor TRX type area. Correct. Correct. The architecture just no, doesn't allow them to go out there. Um, and so the, when I start getting excited, push me back from the mic. <laughs> when, I start, when I start talking about you know the experience of what it came out as, it just gets me jacked up. But definitely, we went. Um, we tried to go with sort of a long leaf spring. We tried to get the travel up. Of course, the travel up and the track width out to give us the stability, to give us the ability to manage those off-road surfaces. Um, reached out to a friend, Brian Cadella. Yeah, who, I know Brian well. Yeah, just an absolute god and guru in that yeah. space. Um, and then uh, sort of confluence events led us to Jeff Ryan down at JRI, whose shocks are just phenomenal. Oh my God, the stuff that these guys are giving me, I don't know how I can't succeed. <laughs> um, and then Faf Designs, Murray Faf, we got yeah, with him. No Murray? Yeah. You, man, I just need to step back. <laughs> but uh, so he really worked on making a design. Holman is available for a consultancy, by the way. I, I think I, it, wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't be the first time. I, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. There's going to be a side deal after this. <laughs> let, let me know how I can help. <laughs> but so then uh, Murray really worked to, to try to tie the design. How do we widen this thing out? How do we work with the current yeah. design features? And what's your design language going forward? Because this is your first full vehicle, right? right? So this is going to set the foundation for that look and that vibe yeah. and that feel yeah, for everything else you, you do. Yeah, you can't deviate after this one because then people will be confused. What What is this company going to offer in the future? the box I was trying to get out of when I left. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the design language that we're trying to get is where it's all integrated. Um, I don't know whether the, you know, as the lines and as the design features change on the trucks, we'll have to adapt to sure. those. Um, I'd, I'd love it if you guys pop by to take a peek at it, and and all you can gladly just tell me to stop talking when we get there. Because where is I, it here? It's outside the West Hall. Okay, um, almost down to where the uh, Tesla Loop. Perfect. Is I take that on the way home tonight. There you go. So, so what you sure. have to do yeah. is when you pop out the doors to go yeah. to the Tesla Loop, you swing a hard left. All right. Right around the side, and yep. it's about. 30 yards down right up against and the And I sun. sent my guy Jared out to go hang out with you guys to drive the oh truck recently. What a guy. Yeah, great, great kid. And uh, and I, I've i been so busy, I didn't get a chance to go, which means I haven't seen it yet. So I'm going to make a, a point well, to see it. Well, then you're, you're going to have fun when you do. Awesome. First of all, Jared, I, I just, you get out there, another one of those people that when you get out, and now that I'm out and I'm not serving a certain role and I'm interacting with a wider audience, uh, up at our first event, we it just really, we unloaded it. It was meant to be, 
a sort of pre-reveal. Sure. What we really wanted to do was not be vaporware. There's so many yes. things that people start and you see images on the internet. Oh yeah. What is it? And it's not real. That'll never work, you know. And so we tried to really stay off the grid. Um, and and it's sort of fun. You probably saw the invitation yeah. email, which what I was telling. Yeah, it was. You know what it reminded me of, and and nobody will remember this, but there was a time where there was a um, home uh, appliance store called Silo, and Silos. I don't know what state they started, but when they came to California, they did this campaign, and it was the Silos are coming. Call this number to find out why, right? <laughs> and so you're like, what? What do you mean there's Silos? And they had like all this like. You know, ambiguous like shadows and like tower you're going they're putting missiles in my backyard you're like what's going on and it, that sort of reminded me you guys are like this special thing that R&D and we're only going to show you and you go and it had that kind of like damn it I need to know more why won't you tell me more yeah, right? black and white yeah, it was yeah and you, it totally you had two color and all, it was it was really well done because I'm like I don't know if this is an OE or aftermarket. I know what's happening here, but I, tell me more. Well, yeah, that's, just just don't fail like Silo did. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah that's that's all Driveline Studios and Justin Sessler. Oh, my God, I can't say enough about him. If, if you don't stop me from going down that rabbit hole, I'm going to just be singing <laughs> praise to that guy forever. But, uh, yeah, I, I credit you for sort of sending somebody out. We, what we were really trying to do is when you see it on our website or on the Instagram, um, I think you'll see it, it looks cool and you see some action photos and stuff, but... When you see it in person, you start to get an appreciation for what we really wanted to do was take this attention to detail that we could do because we were designing all the parts. Right. Right. So, so many companies are trying to design something and then the, the only way to be profitable is to make that fit multiple platforms. Right. right. So, so sometimes it's hard to tune it. Otherwise, you end up with a, a set of SKUs that you just can't be profitable. Yeah. Um, and since we're trying to do a whole vehicle and not components, we could sort of pour that little more attention to detail in there. Do you think you'll go to components at some point or do you think it's <laughs> going to be strictly vehicles for now. We're going to start with strictly vehicles and, and I think we could talk another hour yeah. about supply-based sure. constraints and just the ability to keep up with demand. Yeah. So at this point, use your supply chain to build the vehicles that are going to be your Correct. profit center. But as the brand builds up, there's going to be some opportunity probably. Yeah, and we've also really tried, I mean, we we adopted this motto of excellence, not excuses. And, and when we come across a decision of, I like that. do we do this or do we do this? And, and it's like, okay, if I was buying this truck, what would I want? And so we, we just constantly tried to take, I don't want to call it the high road, but maybe more the, the little bit more high end road. And that's definitely driven our- It MSRP. takes a lot more work. Yeah, a lot yeah, more. And it drives the MSRP up yeah. or, or our price up. So at this point, we want to be really conscious of the fact that people that buy this are going to make an investment in something that's unique and, and hopefully something that's aspirational. So we got to be careful. What do we allow to go out You know, and clones to be running around? Yeah. We want that person that spent that money to have something special, to have something that someone else doesn't have. In fact, I, I've Justin just cracks me up. He's always got these amazing sayings. And, and one of the sayings he's got on the website is, my buddy has one of those, a saying you will never hear again. So we want to sort of stay faithful to that. Isn't um, it weird you find like this? So, I, like, I, you know, I'm with my wife and her friends, and they look down like, oh, those jeans are so cute. Where'd you get those? Oh, I got those at whatever, you know. Uh, and, and they're like, oh, I'm. And then two days later, they have the same jeans. And, like, if for guys, they're like, Bob's wearing the same jeans. He burns his pair later at night. Like, he'll never wear those again. Done. So at, at the radio station I used to work with, we had food rules. We would sit there around the table. The waitress comes over to the table, and she goes, and she takes orders. And you're like, yeah, I'll have the ham and cheese. And the guy's like, God, I was going to order that. You can't get the yeah. same food. See, that's it. I've done that with Holman. He's like, he's like, you know what? I'm going to have the, uh, the the moon over my hammy. I'm like, I was going to get that. And you can't get it now. <laughs> but then what you do, just to screw with them, 
is you have him order first, and he's pissed he can't get what he wants, oh, and, and then you change your order. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, yes. and then he, it, it, it wigs him out. Like, <laughs> now he's super mad because he, he had the chance to get what he wanted, and he totally boned him out of it. It's awesome. And by but the way, it, these are not brand new shoes. I've had these sneakers for a long time. But what I'm saying is, so it, it, it was interesting how guys and, and gals are different, not all of them, but it's funny, like, because that's the thing about car. If, if, a, if you buy a brand new Raptor, whatever it is, you pull up and, and, it, and park it in front of your house, and then Bill, three houses down, pulls up. You're like, how do I get out of my lease? Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to bail on the sale it. right now. That's ridiculous. Thanks for copying me, Dave. It is the worst. <laughs> it is the worst. And I don't it. know why it's so bad, but I hate it so much. If you're like, I need, you need some individuality. You know what I mean? And that's why we're all so passionate about this industry. Obviously, you want to go faster, save fuel, whatever, whatever your motivation is. But usually, guys just want to be different in some yeah. way, stand yeah. out. Yeah. We don't want a barcode on our forehead, right? Yeah. So and that's exactly what we're trying to do. So we're trying to limit some of the stuff so that the guy buys the complete truck. Yeah. He has that, he has that I, I ponied up for the complete truck. There's probably not going to be one yeah. next door. And then we really want to give that guy that exclusive experience. I, I think with the price point that we're at, we have to. We have to respect that. So let's talk about the truck. We okay. kind of hinted at it a little bit. We yeah. sort of danced around it. What, what is the truck? What are you getting so, with a, a, a build from you guys, the X-T1? So the X-T1 starts as a trail boss, a 6.2 liter trail boss, 10-speed transmission. I mean, it's, it's a great hard, place it, to start. It, it, oh, sure. Yeah, it definitely do worse than that. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an amazing truck out of the box. Um, and then we do upgrade. The, there is a small volume within the Silverado portfolio. that has 373 gears. Yep. So we can actually get uh, a couple on the couple on the uh, Instagram site said, well, the only problem with those is they got 323s. And and I posted, yep. nope, we have the American axle accessory 373s. The rear axle is completely custom. So behind the cab, uh, what's left behind the cab from the factory is the frame rails, the fuel tank. The inner bed structure and the tailgate. Did you consider the fuel tank going to a Titan or a, something like that? We, we definitely you can't did. do that because of the EPA. Correct. Oh, gas, not diesel. Right. Sorry, forgot. Yeah. Yep. yep. So all of the EVAP systems. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then the the fuel sensors and pumps, and then that's yep. a, a PWM pump controlled from. So just gotcha. integrating that. We decided we wanted to go with a four-link suspension. I uh, actually yep. started wanting to go with a leaf spring, yeah. but we couldn't get the travels we wanted. Um, we worked ha- really hard with Bet Spring. Uh, we got to where they said, "Hey, you know," and I love these guys. Yeah. I, I absolutely have this admiration for that company because they said, "We can probably get you to where you want." I originally, yeah. it was can I get to 15 inches? Sure. Can I squeeze 16? They said, well, "So I worked with Brian, and we sort of sketched out a spring we wanted." And he said, "You know, I'll, I'll build you a couple of those." And and trying to trying to promote the business, but I'm like, yeah, this is exciting. We're yeah. gonna, after this, hopefully it takes off and we can buy a couple hundred a year. And it's like, whoa, 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 Seth, you know. <laughs> I, we love helping out racers. I mean, I, I can't, yeah. I cannot put a bigger pitch in for Bet Spring saying, if you want it, well, I will have my custom shop build it for you. And it actually wasn't even that expensive. Mm-hmm. But then when I said, yeah, I'd, you know, and the benefit for you is you're going to build two or four hundred of them more. He's a year. like, nope, no, no, no. I, I don't want I'm that. Not, stuff. I'm not interested. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I use a powder coater in, in Southern California that's like. That they're like they do all of Chip Foose's work, like uh-huh. all of his powder coating and seracoding stuff like that. And I'm like, hey, if you help me do this one, I'll, I will literally. I have an order. I have a P, an open PO for a hundred sets. And he's like, no. Nah. I go, well, but but no, not interested. We want to do one of one thing. Yeah. He's like, that's what we really enjoy. That's what we're set up to do. It's that's they're not a conveyor belt. They don't. He's like, we do bespoke pieces. Blah blah blah. So it's it's similar to what you're describing. Isn't that cool? I mean, all these companies that are out here at SEMA. I mean, the, it's just that. 
there's no there's no sort of red tape. There's no policy. They'll just look you in the face and say, "This is what we do. This is where yep. we're at." And it just makes it so fun to go because you can move so fast. Well, it's funny too. The guys who tell you no are the ones you want more. You're exactly. Like, no, you're gonna do it, Jeremy. <laughs> you How pace many, around their. Yeah, why won't you date me? I'm not that ugly. <laughs> How much whiskey do I have to <laughs> yeah. drop off of your doorstep? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, we wanted to start with a leaf spring suspension. And when we really got to the where it was really limited, we couldn't find a production solution that we were comfortable with that wouldn't make noise. The idea here is this is a daily driver. So I can get a leaf spring that'll work, but it's gonna start to squeak because yeah. I'm pulling the isolators yeah. out yeah. and stuff like that. So we it really forced us to look, can we do a multi-link suspension? So right now we've got trailing arms. They're about 50, 52 inches long. Wow. Um, was We looked at the kinematics on the truck and did everything we could to match the rear roll steer in it, which is amazing because this thing is, is killer in the dirt. And on the asphalt, when you get off the dirt, I'm sorry, the high doesn't go away right yeah, away. Yeah. But you're still jacked up, and you hit the asphalt. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the thing is that, that you can feel those big off-road tires will sort of slip and slide, but it's completely controlled. Well, that's what's fun. Oh, I yeah. mean, like, I'd rather drive that because I know when the limit's coming versus you know, a Corvette Z06 where oh, yeah. you're on Boom. the ragged edge, and you're like, uh-oh. You know, yeah. like, I actually like having that feel of a sloppy tire toward the limit because I'm like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's Before soft. I'm out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Before you're really out. Um, so we ended up with a with a multi-link rear. I wanted to do the classic four-link, uh, but with the fuel tank there on the left-hand yeah. side, you can't run the And you want to do a parallel, you know, bars, and it's hard with packaging, and yeah. then you go outside the frame rail, and it has other packaging things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we ended up... Uh, Basically, the you know the top links in a four link are really doing all of your pinion angle, your yep. anti-squat characteristics, and they're also stabilizing laterally that axle. So we did one forward link, which sets all of our anti-squat characteristics. Ah. That doesn't give us the lateral still, but the stability. But then we did a horizontal watts link on top of the differential. Oh, okay. Yeah. So now the neat thing about that horizontal watts link on the top. So is that's sort of like the uh, Chevy performance parts for the ZR2, like Chad Hall's race truck. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So very similar. But the neat thing about that is that jacks the rear roll center up. Yeah. So now our rear roll center is up real high, so we have a lot of kinematic roll stiffness in the back. So the truck doesn't move around, mm. allows us to put those light shocks in the back, so yeah. it has all of that that sort of disturbance absorption. Yeah. And we're at 17 and a half inches of rear travel. Oh, oh my oh, lord. Yeah, yeah it, it, believe me, you just want to- That's a lot of travel. Yep. Uh, for example, if you're thinking about a TRX, I believe it's 13 in the rear. Uh, the new Raptor 35, not the 37 inch because it's limited, the 35 inch tire version, I believe is now at 14 or just short of 15 in the rear. So yeah. 17 in the rear 17 is- 17 and a half in that, the rear. That's, that's significant. Oh my goodness, you can't upset. And what are you at in the front? We're at about 12, we're at okay. 11.8. The, yeah. the problem in the front, was we really wanted to maintain the top strut structures yeah. from General Motors. Yeah. Um, you start getting some pretty big expenses to get that extra one or two exactly. inches. And the reality is if you have a really good shock, you don't necessarily need Correct. that. Correct. Yeah. yeah, we got amazing shocks from JRI. And then Brian, Lantern Mark Industries, we've got the hydraulic jounce shocks. Yeah. So we're just burying it through these pits that you're bracing. The jounce shocks are, if you've never experienced them before, they're the next level. They're not just like a hydraulic, uh, you know, a, a hydraulic bump stop. They're actually... Uh, adding spring rate to the suspension system, and yeah. you can feel them go. But it's not—it's not a harsh engagement. You'll hear them, but it's not harsh. It's—it's it's a pretty amazing, a short stroke. The amount of energy those things absorb it, it, it blows it, me away. Isn't it? It's like getting knocked down on this carpet. It, it's not going to break your bones, but it's harsh, right? Right. Versus getting knocked down on a wrestling mat or a thin camping mat. You know, it's just that it—it it goes exponential. So it comes in, it adds yeah. that spring rate. 
and basically it progresses as you go up to metal to metal and it just sort of progressively stops you so you don't get that harsh impact. Well, the nice thing too is it doesn't affect on, on the rebound side of it because it slows as it comes out of the can, yeah. your suspension can react naturally, whereas some bump stop cans, it forces the Correct. spring or the axle back out and then you have to control the rebound in the shock. Correct. So this is nice because it slows, that keeps stays out of the way to let the compression on. Is he a car designer? No, no, but I will say that Holman is obsessed with suspension. I, 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 I do I, love I, good I suspension. I think that he was a suspension engineer in his, uh, in his, in his, his former, former pre, life. Yeah, former I, life yeah. I, I, I am a, uh, a lay person who loves suspension. Not, I, I can, I can understand lay. what the engineers are saying, but I try to distill it down to what the common man can uh, well, well, but that, I mean, even as engineers, you have what the intent of the function is supposed to be. Whether you're going to come in and tell me whether it's critically damped or whatever, yeah. it doesn't matter. You know what that thing's I, supposed I to do. I can drive your truck, and then I can tell you uh, in uh, loose terms what I'm feeling. I can't tell you how to change it, but I can say, you know, my butt dyno says this, and like really, you know, I'll grunt like a caveman, <laughs> and I'll be like, tell us loose, you know, <laughs> something like that. I don't use big technical words, but I can tell you what I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, you'd be awesome to come out and drive it, and I wish you would have came up to Drummond Island. Um, so, in that, in the rear is amazing. The front has the hydraulic jump shocks as well. The JRI shocks have an amazing capability to them. Monotube, uh, bypass. Their internal uh, bypass. Did I just so. see JRI shocks in a Porsche? I was. Do they do stuff oh my like God. that? Yeah. Or in a, I saw that in a, and also in a in a mini. Uh, I was down at BBI in Huntington Beach and and I had never. I wasn't familiar with JR, JRI, it, and I was talking to the guy and he was some stuff in a Porsche and I go, he's like, what you've never heard of JRI? And it was and these were remote reservoir. Um, and they were, he said they were spendy, but they were the top of the line. Oh, my God. There is this sleeper company. So, JRI is Jeff Ryan. Um, long time started at Fox. Basically helped build, helped Roger build Penske. He's put shocks on Michael Schumacher's car. He's outfitted the NASCAR field. He's the real deal. Yeah, oh, he is the real deal. And and a passion. You know, it's, it's one of those guys when you meet him, the passion just goes in through you. And you're like, surrender. I just surrender yeah. my controller. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is the guy. Let him go. Oh, well, that's where you come the with Oracle. a brief, briefcase full of money, and you're <laughs> no, like, just no, whatever no. you need to do. Just no, I, I would say they're competitive. They're competitive. What's out there? In, okay. In, and the shocks that are on there are bespoke. They designed them for us. We worked really hard to maximize front shock travel, uh, to stay in the production mount location. Yeah. We wanted to keep the loads consistent with the production loads, not to sort of overload it. We're actually looking at some bracing, but we don't want to start taking that highly validated chassis. Right. And loading it like it shouldn't sure. be. Sure, right? especially in the front end. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more to worry about. You know, you've got CVE axle angles and yeah. you've got, even people think about the tie rods and shock loads into the steering rack. Yeah. I mean, even where you position your steering arms and stuff on the spindle, that that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're using the production steering, this production knuckle bearing package. Is it strong enough? Obviously it is. You oh decided my. to stay with it. Yeah. I mean, I, okay. I, think, it's, I think it's strong. We, we abused it. I mean, I, thank I, God that the steering wheel is centered again on the on the driver's seat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. What are these? Uh, Herrick, I've been bugging him for years, and uh, I, I he's like, "Why do you like the new track?" I'm like, "I mean, it's okay because that stupid steering wheel still offset." So when uh, when T1 came out, when the K2 was retired, Herrick calls me up. He goes, "Hey." I want to let you know I fixed your steering wheel. <laughs> I mean, I've probably been bugging for like 10 years, you know, or, or, or you know, a bunch of Chevy engineers. And I, it was always my bitch. So everybody's like, hey, you need to go out to dinner with Sean. He'll talk yeah. about the new truck. He's going to give you a bunch of bust your balls about the uh, the steering wheel not being centered. And that's how this rolls. So anyway, it was funny to get the uh, the call from Herrick. He's like, I fixed your steering wheel. Yeah. <laughs> because it was almost an act of God, but I did it. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, it is, it is a different experience driving it. So. Yeah. 
Uh, that sort of wraps up with the suspensions. G-Force does some extended axles. We, we design all of our own components. Um, How big is the company? How many of you are there? Currently, right now, there's five of us. Okay. It's a lot of work for five dudes. Yeah, I'll tell you, I can't, I mean, when I've got guys, maybe some of them need to remain nameless because they're not on payroll sure? right now, um, that, are, that are just basically coming in saying, we want to build this. This is the passion we all have. Awesome. And uh, we're probably now, I mean, this last week we've been getting a little shut eye, yep. but before that it was probably four weeks of, of midnight, oh, yeah. 2 a.m., um, just just working, burning the candle at both ends. When, when does the ordering go live, and then what is the starting price? And where do you buy it? <laughs> so we're planning, I mean, really right now it's going to be first come, first serve, right? Um, and I totally respect that until we finish validating and people can really see the final yeah. product, I don't expect people to put their money down. Yeah. But, but those that take a, a level of trust, like I think yeah. these guys are going to do it, and I want to get one of the first 10, because what we're doing is we're committing to the first 10. Okay. Um, and then we're going to commit to those first 10 and deliver them all in the first half of next year. Okay. Hopefully to beat that number, but I would yeah. much rather beat a deadline than miss yeah. a deadline, right? Always better over-deliver. Yeah, I hope so. I really hope so. And then Black Lake... TeamBlackLake.com is okay. our website. You can reach out. There's a contact us there. Um, Blacklake at BlackLake.xt1 is, is the there Instagram is there a channel. form? I'm sorry, I interrupted. You say that again. The uh, uh, the Instagram channel is at at BlackLake.xt1. Okay. And is there a uh, an interest form on the on the site so I can say Correct. I'm interested? Oh, there Correct. is. Okay. Yeah, there's a there's a sign up for more information. Okay. Um, and if I wanted to buy one, if you want to buy one right now, I'm I'm, I'm afraid to say the number because I think I'm not even going to be profitable at this, but two hundred and forty seven thousand. Okay, and that that obviously frame changes and suspension yeah, and are your you know, fenders and body sides are is that composite carbon? The body the the front and rear body sides are carbon, uh, so that's a carbon panel, and we add a Kevlar layer in there. So you know the you guys, have to worry about spidering and cracking from rocks throw, being thrown yeah, up inside. And, and, and you crack a tree out yeah. there and carbon shears, yeah. you've got you've got just a knife hanging off the side of the sure. car. So. The Kevlar gives us that shear resistance where you may still cut your hand, you may still scratch yourself, but you're not going to sever a limb or yeah, something gotcha, like that right. on it, you know. But um, 247 is where we started. Okay. The first the first 50 orders, everything we order, everything that gets delivered, and, and maybe we do it by the end of the year or, or into the first couple of months, we're calling them sort of the Founders 50. Okay. So that's including the, a supercharger, yep. Magnuson supercharger from that Lingenfelder does. That's including the worn Platinum, Xeon Platinum 12S okay. winch with a wireless control. Um, how, it's how, what's the power output? 650 horsepower is Healthy. what the first. Yeah. yeah. Oh my, well, you take 650? And then you combine it with the 375 Yeah, that's a lot of power to grab. I mean, I, I don't know if... It's like getting on the back of a panther or yeah. something. <laughs> gone, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and it literally... We, at the media, at the reveal, yeah. Jared got to drive the 5.3. Okay. And I drove that 5.3 and I'm like, we might have to... Uh, I don't want to use foul language, but can <laughs> can the six two because this thing is scary. I mean, it just gets up and runs. Nice. And then the thing is, is it gets in your blood. So I've road raced ever since yeah. college. I, I got into road racing, and then you know this passion to sort of go back and play in the dirt came and started working with Brian. Thought there's a here's a space here. Here's something that we can do 
can I take all of our, our OE experience and bring it together to give somebody something really special? They don't have to build it themselves. It's, it's all integrated. We, our whole rear axle is a custom wide track axle, so it doesn't have wheel spacers in the rear. We integrate in all the factory brake hardware, so the EPB system works, all the wheel speed sensors work. The idea is that this, this truck runs just like a production truck. It's your everyday truck. Warranty? Yes, we're, you know, Lingenfelder is going to warranty the whole powertrain based on what's left from the production warranty, right? If an alternator goes, that's not Lingen. Right, right so, of course. But, so we will work to fill the gap to provide them a full warranty on the vehicle. Um, and then we're, we're actually, you know, we're escrowing some money in that so that our customer, the guy that commits to this, has got to have, the, to go all the way back some to... Some comfort. The, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Black Lake, the test track name is coincidental. We worked really hard on the name and we're like, how do we how do we make a name that has sort of some elegance, some top shelf, some exclusiveness, and black just rings that word, sure. right? And then we said, so you saw the the email, we wanted to be a little bit secretive, yeah. a little exclusive, an R&D company, you know, maybe a little, a little bit, bit flirty. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Manhattan Project is where I wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so we, we came up with this Black Lake, Black Lake, Michigan. Um, it's town in Michigan. We're like, it works. And we're like, oh, oh that's the name of the ground. There well, you go. But we went to U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. It's not trademarked. And so we went and, and did that, filled and out. And now uh, GM has to change the name of the program. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So anyways, I'm super excited. I, I, I think I see people queuing up. So we want to start, you know, landing this plane. But I, I just wish there was some way that I could, I could take what, what's in my memory and in my gut right now that just the the hyper excited experience I had driving the, the first one off the lift. Yeah. We haven't even started tuning. We're going yeah. out next week and doing sort of the first level of desert tuning. And then we'll be going out. We're going to feature the vehicle at the Mint 400. And then we'll be oh, going nice. back out after that again Great. and doing that second level of tuning. This allows us to go out and do some tuning, give Jeff some feedback, modify some components, rebuild it, tune it again. So ideally, when a customer gets it, we know exactly what they're getting. And we can tell them, hey, if you want this, go to these shock settings. If you want this, go to these shock settings and make it so that they don't have to do anything. They don't have to yeah. figure it out. They just, just turnkey. Yeah. Just turnkey, go yep. enjoy awesome. it. Awesome. Well, yeah. congratulations on the new truck. I'm going to go check it out here. I know Jared had great things to say about it when he came back for uh, from the trip with you guys. And it's, it's nice to uh, finally meet you in person. We've been going back and forth with uh, emails and things like that and, and trying to figure out, and once I figured out what you guys were doing, who, ah, oh, okay, this, is, yeah, this makes sense, yeah. so. Well, I, I think we have a ton of content we didn't get to, but we only have so much we time. We can do this again. We, we can yeah. do a full show at some point, or maybe yeah. even get us in to, to drive the truck when you've got maybe one down SoCal or something like that, yeah. or, or yeah. local, we'd love to hook if up If you bring you. one, yeah, in, in SoCal, LA area, we're, we're in. Well, that's the plan. We're gonna be doing some, you know, in the in around, Kathy's Valley. Okay, yeah. Uh, there'll be some tuning there in a second level. Then we'll okay. go down and sort of do some more validation down at probably Barstow and yeah. maybe a little jump. Well, that's close for us. That's, that's yeah. an easy yeah. drive. Yeah. Well, then I'll have to stay quiet because until we sort of feel like we got it right. You we've, know, we've, we are good with embargoes and NDAs, so you no, let us know. No, I'm happy it, to do that. And I, I just a quick closure. Awesome having Jared come. The whole idea was to not be vaporware. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was a certain amount of trust that you guys put in that, maybe because who sent the email, sure. with knowing that it was from coming from Justin. And it's exciting because I think people now driving by or walking by really look at this as legitimate and we want to be legitimate and we want to deliver something that is 
you know, just that special toy. I want this to be like, yeah, my Ferrari's cool, but damn it, let's take the truck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Damn it, let's take the truck. That's damn it, let's we'll, take we'll, we'll end right there. Oh, that's our T-shirt. Yeah, damn right. it, let's take the truck. We we're yeah, we're he stole Black Lake from GM. We're stealing that from him. Oh, exactly. <laughs> damn it, let's take the truck. Awesome, awesome. talking to you. Appreciate guys, it. Thanks Great so much. To meet you. See Great you, to meet Thank you, Seth. All right, we're not making any noise, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> because we're posing for a photograph here. This is funny. So, we, man, we've shot a lot of photographs today, Holman. We, uh, we have. And uh, so it is the Truck Show Podcast at SEMA Show 2021, powered by Banks here. This booth, uh, courtesy of our friends at Banks Power. Now, we're joined right now, John Miller. So, John, who are you? What do you do? And why are well, you let's, special? Let's figure out, first tell the story of how they got here. So we're doing the podcast, and they're like, hi, you need to interview us. And then we said, we don't have any slots. And they said, no, no, you really need to interview us. We'll Here's wait. who we are and what we do. We'll wait. And then we'll be like, uh, but we have to go home to our families. And they go, not till Friday, right? We'll, figure, we'll fit ourselves in. And then you're here now. Well, so. the thing is, they're like, this is important. <laughs> yeah. You don't get it. You need. You'll understand once we talk Start to you. talking. Yeah, right. exactly. So, John, I'm going to ask you. Step. You're going to eat the microphone. That'll help you me know a lot. It's funny. For, you yeah. told him to eat the microphone talking to him as you walked away from your microphone. Well, I, it's fine. <laughs> the lo- it'll, long tail is still sound good for the whole, the whole interview. What's happening, John? How's it going, guys? Good. Thanks for having us. So, Hypercraft. Hypercraft. Wow. Did we just say that in unison? Let's try it again. That, One, two, no, three. I'm not doing that again oh, with you. That was yeah, awkward. It was like a jinx. It's super weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hypercraft is a, a new company, and we're building complete EV drive systems. Uh, the motors, the batteries. For Priuses. For everything but. For bicycles. <laughs> for From bicycles to trophy trucks. I'm sorry, f- trophy trucks. Yeah, so that's what the pitch was yesterday <laughs> yeah. when my friend over here came around and he said, you, you don't understand, we are going to go electric with trophy trucks. And I said, mm, that's kind of up our alley. We should, uh, we should talk about that. And partnering with Geyser Brothers, who's one of the premier trophy truck builders ever in the history of trophy trucks. That is the Geyser Brothers, is the, the gold standard yeah. of chassis. That, that's a big deal. And it's like, okay, you got my interest now. Yeah, they've won more races than all other builders combined in Baja oh, incredible. 1000. Yeah, it's an incredible opportunity, and and you know they really they came to us and and asked us. They knew what we were doing, and we had to say yes. I mean, what well, would, right, what would you, you can't do? say no, right? So, what was the so. backstory? How do they approach you? Why do they know about Hypercraft? So, Jay Coxworth, our founder and CEO, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he was doing some industrial design work with them and sharing what we were building in the background with Hypercraft and. Um, they actually had a customer who was really interested in going electric and Jake went halfway down the road figuring out how to deliver that and um, those guys backed out but we had already kind of started down that road and and Jake was like man I think we should build it and the rest so of the customers are going to come there's somebody out Absolutely. there who wants to be yeah. who wants to do that at least this, this customer John this customer was a, a, a racer or uh, it's so think of it as you know the grassroots side of performance. You know it's it's the culture. Um, you know every innovation in any category you look at comes from guys in their shop who are tinkering and developing and, and pushing. You know whatever it is they're building from you know hot rod culture in the 40s to you know all the way up to the you know the tuners and the you know trophy power, truck builders, power sports, yeah. motorsports. Every application you can think where performance is the key. Um, guys have been figuring it out in their, their garages. It's not, especially the OEMs. The OEMs kind of see it happening when there's a mass appeal and that's when they get involved. But you know, you look at anything, hot rodding, off-road racing, 
any segment of power sports, uh, even action sports, all of it comes, you know, from the ground up, from the grassroots. And, you know, if we're, if we're talking about EV adoption, you know, everybody thinks that you can, either you can't, the big thing is you can't get the technology, right? The other thing is, you know, everybody's telling us that we have to go electric. It's, it's like a tyrannical thing. Like, you know, EPA tells us that we have to go electric and it's like it's coming from the wrong the wrong message um, nobody's yeah, I think put that it has turned a lot of people off hasn't it I mean yeah. a lot of the the enthusiasts are like I don't want to be told what to do yeah. it is and for it's, all the wrong reasons and I think that there is a place for electric I think that I we've talked about on the show a lot because I've had a chance to drive the new Hummer the Rivian R1T and, and get exposed to electric off-road and I get it. I get why the hesitation. I had the same hesitation. I'm still not 100% a EV homer, but I also understand it and I can see where EV can fit into my life. And I have a level two charger installed in my house. And not because I don't even, I just have test cars that, you know, are going to require it now. Right. And so I want to be able to fill up at home instead of taking it to Trader Joe's or the grocery store and use there. So I'm that guy that's in the middle. And I just, as long as the tool does the job, I'm all in. I just don't want to be told I have to use that tool, right? And I, I think you're right. The, the the side of it of the EPA is forcing us to make like, oh, hell no, I'm not going to do that. But if it was, hey, things are changing. Here's a great technology. Try it out. I think the acceptance rate would be a lot higher. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you go out and you prove it in the most brutal sure. race application possible. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're going to figure a lot of things out in that process. And you, that's... You said Hypercraft does other products as well, right? Correct. So is this like the ultimate halo test for your entire company so that what you're getting out of this is that you can say the hypercraft technology has been proven in Baja and you can have it in everything all the way down to this bicycle absolutely yeah. yep that's exactly it and you know it's again we've got to get over this hump of I mean it's just straight performance I mean yep. There's all sorts of other companies that are that are you know put a cute little green leaf on their logo <laughs> yeah, sure. and expect that to sell the product and you know we're coming from a, a, a high performance enthusiast background yeah. so you know you tell me that this thing's going to rip my arms off now we're talking about something cool <laughs> um, what's what's also interesting is you know internal combustion has sort of reached its pinnacle in, in tuning turbos and superchargers and you know all the things that that we've figured out how to squeeze every last inch of horsepower out of our, our motors and stuff you know ev meets us right there yeah and in fact we have to detune this trophy truck because it'll break parts won't it absolutely yeah, yeah the chassis won't and the tires everything won't be able to handle what these motors I mean, you're can talking about do. 1600 horsepower yeah <laughs> in a trophy truck that's doing the baja 1000 how are you guys doing batteries? Is it a uh, quick swappable type thing in the pits or? Exactly. Okay. Yep. So, you know, essentially it's like your Makita power drill. Yeah. So we're going to have four modular batteries and we're going to be able to go 200, 250 miles in range. Wow. That's and pretty then, good for off-road in that type of environment. And then we're going to have two minute pit stops where we slide them out and swap them in with charged batteries. Wow. That's pretty incredible. And, uh, and then we're also doing some stuff where we're splitting power and energy density. Um, so, that, you know, the lithium batteries are really good for range, mm -hmm. um, but carbon batteries are actually really good at outputting a lot of like power. So two of each? Um, yes. Okay. Yep. Wow. And uh, so, and, and then we just, we use, essentially we use software for battery management systems. What are you using and, for a controller? 
Um, pro- your own proprietary stuff, or uh, we'll be working with AEM. Oh, okay, yeah. Kirk Miller at AEM is a good friend of mine, and Lawson yeah. Molka is actually my best friend. Cool, best man at my wedding. So oh, like, wow. we go way back. So yeah. I know those guys. Small world, and it's been amazing watching their pivot, knowing that okay, EV's coming. Our traditional racing stuff has been in all of this, you know, internal combustion engine. We know that you know if the EPA with the the RPM Act, if that becomes an issue, that tanks our business. And they're pivoting to EV with AEM EV, and they have some amazing control software and systems. And so I've been privy to it a little bit in uh, cigars in the backyard kind of a deal. And it's neat to, for them to be talking about it now and and working with you. Well, that's so. why they were acquired, you know, yeah. for that tech for that pivot. Yeah. I think right. Yeah, Hol- it was Holly Group, Holly. right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and not widely known. They haven't made a big deal about it. It's it's not secret, but it's also, you know, they're sort of just doing their thing. Right. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of companies out there that are making this pivot right now. And, you know, there's a lot of development that needs to happen, um, you know, from an industry side, from a infrastructure side, um, you know, from a cultural perspective. And, you know, just like you said, you, you've started to kind of transition and, and you have more understanding than you did a few years ago. Sure. A lot of us have to go through this education process, uh, my, myself as well, you know. Um, Mine but, was taking the Rivian R1T 1,500 miles from Oklahoma to Utah and wheeling it and then figuring out charging infrastructure and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That was my eye-opening experience. We went, okay, this is, this is plausible. You know, it's it's not perfect yet. It's not a leave on a Friday and go on an adventure. You still have to have some pre-planning for your route and understand some things. But the technology off-road is pretty awesome. Yeah, and some of it's just going to be kind of behavior change where our expectations will change. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about, uh, Jake and I talk a lot about how the word performance is going to start taking on new meaning. Sure. Um, you know, it's not always just going to be big, raw, dumb horsepower right. just Big you know, rod, well, dumb horsepower. Here's the other thing. Perform- <laughs> well, I use the word I use the word dumb uh, as an intellectual term because, yeah. you know, when you think about digital power, we can actually be very precise in in how we you know through torque vectoring and, and oh yeah. Make, but not only you know, that, but I think performance is going to be efficiency with power as well. Yep, and, and, and range. And, 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 and talking about this is a, a topic I brought up in one of the the uh, panels I moderated today with EVs. You brought up behavior. And from your other businesses of doing, let's say, a commuter vehicle or a, you know bicycle and things like that, are we've been trained as automotive enthusiasts and automotive gearheads that when you go to the pump, you fill up 100% every time. With a battery electric vehicle, it's different. You're going to plan your trip. You're going to know how many minutes you have, what it's going to take to get to your destination, and you may say, I can fast charge from 50% to 80% in 15 minutes. I only need 10% more power to make it to my destination. So I think people are going to be charging batteries a lot differently or refueling their vehicles. They're not going to be doing 100% every time. They're going to go up to 75 or 80. It's going to be enough for the day. They'll plug in at night. And that's a completely different behavioral change than those of us who are used to driving you know, a, a traditional ICE vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, And I think once we get through that, that kind of behavior change, we may find that that frequency or the way that we use that actually is more beneficial in ways that, I mean, I can't even predict what that means yet, but we don't know until we start to go through that process. And, um, it's going to be exciting. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a change, but what does the truck that you guys are building with Geyser brothers in terms of fully outfitted for racing, do you have an idea of the weight difference between a traditional trophy truck and the EV trophy truck? I know that it's heavier. I don't know the exact numbers. Um, 
but it's uh, it's a little more comparable than you might think. Yeah. Well, sixteen hundred um, horsepower, you know, kind of well, is a great equalizer. Right, and and immediate torque, so much sure, torque. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've heard seven thousand foot pounds of torque. Uh, it's it better said all the torque, all the torque, <laughs> right? Like from zero RPM to one RPM. Right. You're at full torque capacity, so there's no power band anymore. It's just all or nothing. Um, it's a so, light switch. Yeah, it's it's going to be insane. Forgive me for not knowing this, but like uh, the the racing body score and things like that. Like, how are they integrating? There's an EV class now. Oh, there is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, huh. we've we've had quite a few conversations with those guys, uh, with Roger, and um, and we've been talking a lot with Dave Cole uh, with Ultra Four, King of the Hammers. Yeah. Yeah. And there's already been some EVs that have been in there. The one, the our friend who did the uh, Forerunner conversion with the leaf battery packs did right. koh right so that's okay. starting to people are starting to dabble in that a little bit well and some of this is just a, a new challenge yeah you know it's like we've kind of figured out what we can do with with sure. what we have and we've pushed it to the very limit and now it's like we've got a whole new world so it sounds like you guys are aiming to have the the truck available about a year from now yep that's correct and then how many do you plan to build is it going to be build to order is it going to be uh we're, we're building 10 and we're out this is a halo uh, and do you have a racer i mean there's a lot of a lot of questions on there well i can say that there's significant demand from multiple awesome. places Good for um, you guys. yeah and uh and then as far as the racer goes uh we there's a lot of names get, being thrown around um a few people have approached us and uh we're just we're just going to kind of let things develop a little bit more and, yeah. and you know find the right person you want to you want to wait to see if a prettier girl comes in the dance <laughs> potentially <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe she's you know an awesome yeah like, maybe she's the one you're gonna marry maybe she's a she <laughs> does, does <laughs> you know this I mean? <laughs> does this turn into a consumer facing product or are you just you want to go for that halo thing in, in the top tier racers and so so what's unique about our company is is we're starting out in, in sort of a, a b2b type of structure where we're working with development partners and um, once we get the technologies developed from all those partners, we're going to offer these systems at a fixed cost. So they don't have to pay the development cost. We eat that. We retain that IP. And then we're gonna, eventually you're going to be able to come to our website, configure a system that you want. It drop ships to your door. Oh, interesting. So we'll, we're going to move from a B2B space into a B2C. What are some of the other vehicles that you have? Uh, so we're working with a company called Sierra Cars out of okay. Salt Lake. They build Rallycross. Oh, cool. Uh, right on. Single cockpit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, amazing vehicle to drive. Um, they want to electrify. They, they've Very actually cool. got a, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a, it's a, it's a rally, nitro Rallycross okay. is what it's called. And uh, so we're helping them develop. We're replacing a turbocharged Hayabusa engine. <laughs> okay. Um, we've got a, an airboat company. I was going to say, please tell me you have a hovercraft or something like that. Yeah. Uh, airboat's not quite a hovercraft, but with the name of like hypercraft, you, I, I, there's a, like a propeller-like logo you have there. I, wanna, yeah, I, I want that to be real. It's funny how that worked <laughs> out because they, they turned out to be our first customer. and oh, we, we went out there and uh, they, they run an 800 horsepower supercharged LS3. Um, Once again, those LS motors, they'll never catch on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we're, you know, and and what we learn with the trophy truck applies directly to what we're doing with the the airboat. Um, And so we've got, you know, a a motorcycle scale system that we're developing and, you know, the ultimate um, trophy truck system as well. So killing it a lot of cool stuff on the drawing board yeah well we hope that you'll keep in touch with us as things progress because we love to delve in more 
as the vehicles get built, maybe even uh, give people a heads up before it goes racing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's an exciting time. You know, we came to SEMA thinking we'd have to sell EV to everybody. Nah. And uh, it turned out that... It's the other way around, isn't it? It, uh, it was like drinking from a fire hose. <laughs> yeah. So are, are, is will there be video on a YouTube channel or Instagram that people can follow along as, as enthusiasts? Yeah, we're an early company and we're just getting up to speed with everything. Uh, you can follow us at Hypercraft uh, USA. So Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, at Hypercraft we USA. Have a, a track record with early companies. Yeah, we do. Another one based out of Utah. That other one went, might have gone down in flames. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Long story. Our, our listeners understand. We're, we're, we'll, we'll give everybody a chance, though. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then uh, our website is hypercraftusa.com. Awesome. I'm awesome. going to go check it out and see uh, what kind of stuff I can order and have drop shift to my door in the future. Uh, nothing right now that you can afford. <laughs> Ever, probably. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're hoping to be able to offer that within the next 18 to 24 months. Awesome. Oh, dang. Uh, will the trophy truck be delivered to my door if I order one? I mean, there's a price for everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, good luck. We're looking forward to uh, keeping up with you guys and uh, keep us in the loop because we want to have you back. Awesome. Thank right. you so hey, much for having you, us. Appreciate Great. it. Thank you. All right, Holman, we're going to talk off-road with our friend Jim Ryan of SCORE. All right, well, we've got a lot of scores to settle with Jim, damn it. Oh, come no, on. Bad, I don't have pun. a I don't no. have the <laughs> <doom-doom>. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, Lightning doesn't have his, uh, sound, his sound effects Normally I come with all in. these wacky sound effects, <laughs> yeah, and now I'm stripped down for this thing. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll survive. So uh, we've, uh, obviously, SCORE. Well, first off, what, is, what does Jim do at SCORE? I'm the uh, marketing and sales director for SCORE, basically. Head honcho, big cheese. Basically, I'm involved with most of everything that happens in North America. We have another uh, outstanding uh, office and team down in Ensenada. Mm-hmm. That whole format was set up uh, a number of years ago now. They deal directly every day with making sure the race takes place. And, and, and when you say the race, anybody yeah, so. who doesn't know SCORE, this, you were talking Baja 1000, the Baja 500. You guys are the sanctioning body, basically for international desert racing. And you also have, obviously, races here in the States and whatnot as well. Not anymore. So, no, yeah, really? we're, okay. we're, the, the organization, uh, the Baja 1000 is turning 54 years old. Wow. Basically, in eight days. We're, we're doing double duty right now. Uh, it's always a challenge. I have uh, 53 vehicles over in our, our booth. Oh, that um, race is an old man now. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, uh, they refer to it as the granddaddy of okay, off-road okay. racing. Hey, and before we get into that, I, I need to know SCORE. What does it stand for? So there's many different versions. Yeah, the real one. What's dirt. the real one? I don't know if there is a real one. Even uh, talking to Southfish, there's uh, at least two front, uh, short course off-road racing enterprises in Southern California, Southern California off-road racing enterprises. This is goes back to Mickey Thompson back in uh, 1973. Okay. So it took it morphed into a f- few things, and uh, the original guys that whatever the real one might have been. Could be either Who one knows? of those. Right. So that's kind of score as an acronym. I mean, it's it's its own brand after all these years. And, and the granddaddy, Baja 1000, uh, I've had a chance to race it a few times, yep. and there's nothing like it. It, it is, um, it is the, the Baja Peninsula is magic. There's no way to describe it. I think Dust of Glory did the best job, mm-hmm. although there's other movies out there, obviously, that, that touch on it as well. Or, or But I, I feel like... For the modern era, Dust of Glory was probably the, the personification of, of the race. Um, but even then, if you haven't been in the race truck, if you don't experience the culture and the people, if you don't know what it's like to be nerfed, if you don't know what it's to like be to be nerfed, yeah, hit from behind because you're going too slow. Oh. If you don't know what it's like to recover a vehicle in the silt, 
um, or have cactus fly through the wind, the windshieldless uh, vehicle and, and get stuck to your racing suit or mm-hmm. pee in a catheter because you're six hours into a race, whatever the case, all of it is, is an experience unlike any other on earth. If you're an off-road enthusiast and you like TRXs and Raptors, you owe it all to the culture that was started with the Baja races. And that is all part of the culture now. I mean, the racing is the core core bullseye for sure. And and that is, uh, we'll have over 300 entries wow. for this under a COVID-based uh, peninsula sure. run this year on top of everything else. Wow. So we deal with two different states, basically like dealing with California, Nevada down there right now, Baja Sur, Baja, um, Baja Norte, doesn't really, isn't called that, but uh, Northern Baja. So both two, di- two different governors, I mean, yes, two different governors, all the mayors we have to deal with uh, through all the cities. And, and all the through. private landowners, the, the, the ranches. The, the, and Absolutely. I mean, that, so, that's a huge oh part because God, so you have to go and pay everyone off? or how No, does that no, work? no, it doesn't work that there's way. There's a partnership. They actually love the race. Um, when you go down and you see everybody, people take days off work and school to come watch the race. You'll be in the middle of nowhere, 100 miles away, and there's people lining the course at night cheering you on and having bonfires, and, and it, it's a it's a... It's a huge party, but it's amazing because when you go down there, um, they well, you're welcome. Like it's 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 like their Super Bowl, but everybody can go and see it. That's it. the accessibility prior to COVID. Sure, um, was uh, that was one of the outstanding elements of Score. Our our contingency days are like Mardi Gras. Um, until they'll be coming back. Uh, we're looking good for 2022 for that. Contingency day is pre-race? That's, that's check-in, pre-race, okay. tech inspection. So you have a parade of vehicles, and they go through these vendor rows. It's mandatory. Yeah, and, and everybody goes through, and, and peop- the racers are there. They're checking out equipment on the vehicles, safety checks, fire suits, all that, and then they're handing out their stickers or whatever, and ah, the kids are coming keys. up, and they're running. It's, it's, a, it's such a great uh, experience. Poster, sticker time. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like, like Sean was saying, they shut down the schools and a lot of business. Is to, to be able to attend. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. We've all seen video footage, whether yeah. it's on NBC or whatever. Right. You know, the recap. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's incredible. You see all like families, you know, thousands of families lining the road, yeah. precariously close to the race, mind you. Yeah. That's oh, out on the they'll course. They'll touch you. Yeah. They'll t- they'll slap the trucks as they're going by at 60, 70 miles an hour. It's uh, it's, it's crazy. They stand in the road, and when it comes, they just they all dive. Dart. Yeah, yeah, they dart out of the way. <laughs> we try to make sure that that's uh, I know, more under but control. There's not but much you can do now. How Not much? Really. So, Jim, how much has the race changed since its, you know, inception? Faster, longer technology has pushed the limits. Our our trophy truck class, were basically for your your listening audience, is like the cup cars of, of off road racing. Um, the all drive, all wheel drive systems. That they're are now, super cars, right? I mean, we're talking about thousand horsepower plus, and they're spaceships now. I mean, yeah. the, the thirty six G- inches of travel plus GPS systems, all the na- navigation. What's happened before was basically you got a nineteen sixty seven. You had a road map from AAA or whatever <laughs> it was at that time, and that's how they operated. Now, for safety purposes, on top of that, the last, especially the last eight years. Um, that, that I've been around this and the new owners, um, the GPS systems, and, and you really have to stay on course without getting penalized. The, the tracking systems now are outstanding and getting better. Uh, was it back, back in the day, Jim, were they purposely going off course just to circumvent certain harder areas? Or, or they do a shortcut. Yeah. yeah. To or they get yeah. lost. I remember a famous racer telling right. me once right. that he was so lost in the middle of the night, he pulled over and slept next to a cactus until the sun came up so he could find his way. Those gotcha. are all great, real, real, real true stories. Real stories, right. And, For sure. and you got to think about it, too. Like, when you see the explosion of Vegas, 
Southern California, all these metropolises. When you go down to Mexico, they've also had a lot of build-out, too. So a lot of these old roads and, and t- little nothing towns from the 60s actually have pop- our population centers now. So it's right. a lot harder to do crowd control and find the route and, and, and go across people's land and all the things that you have to do to have an epic off-road uh, course. It, it is, and it also increases the visibility of the race because there's more people and the towns are bigger um, on peninsula run like sure. this. But, Baja tourism, um, the numbers we use, they say we have about 630,000 spectators oh my gosh. per season um, on a, on that view our races. You know, it's obviously not all downtown Ensenada. Right. But uh, on, the, on the outskirts and watching the, well, actually physically watching the race at some point. One of the questions that came up during the course of this week is uh, the proliferation, at least the early proliferation, and the start of it of EV vehicles mm-hmm. and what you guys are doing because we know there's EV vehicles coming to race and Absolutely. do they have their own class or are they a subclass within stock mini stock full things like that what how are you guys uh, organizing that for right. how scary is it going to be when there's a car going a truck going 120 miles an hour soundless right and those are all big questions that uh, we're going to be addressing here shortly but the EV class is actually about three four or five years old um, we've had uh, a lot of test vehicles running. Uh, obviously, it comes back to basically every product in this in this building is uh, Baja proven is like that final right. stage. If you if you can master that and earn it, that is uh, that's where it's going to happen. That goes from tires, wheels, and exhaust, suspension, whatever it, whatever it is. E- uh, electric is the new frontier for sure. Um, we're working with a number of uh, we've had a number of, of experiments. Some we're good and some, <laughs> some, so good. some hurt, learned some hard lessons <laughs> sure. in terms of how this the, the ground it doesn't matter what your battery capacity is it's a, the terrain is a major issue it's unforgiving well it's, vibration too right I mean that's well, really vibration, hard dust all those things are really hard to remember it's, they're working off an energy source and if you're stuck in a sand wash that energy source is just burning away right so if you have range you don't have range if you're just spinning wheels on, on a treadmill you do yeah. I mean on, yeah. a, on, a, on a pavement you do right it, it's a lot of different dynamics that are now in play, and the the challenges are being met by many high-end companies. A few that are here that we've yeah, had we meetings to, with. Yeah, we talked to Hypercraft yep. and their their partnership yep. with Geyser Brothers. You're already on top of yeah. it, right? So that's a that's a big player we're looking at for 2022. Geyser Brothers are outstanding, so it's yep. a it's a full effort. I mean, they're thinking it through, and uh, they don't even want to be in the E-Class. They're, yeah. they're going straight into a full trophy, trophy truck, truck. Wow. And going for a finish, so if I was not impressed a podium. talking to them about some of the technology where they want to have lithium-ion and carbon batteries mm-hmm. as multiple power sources. And so... Um, they, and make them hot swappable. Uh, and that's right. what their pit stops are going to be. And, and thinking about... I mean, that's just... It's it's so... I, just mind-blowing are there, are there rules already in place for some of these trucks coming in that are EV-powered? Meaning, I'm not sure uh, uh, rule specific well, to them. Well, uh, yeah, like he's talking about hot swapping. Well, you batteries. can't leave that batteries in the, in the desert. Well, no, sure. I know that you're not going to leave. You'd have, have a chase truck that would take your, your right. thousand pounds of batteries and uh, put it on their flatbed trailer, whatever it is, right? But are there because just like I don't know, as as things change, you have you're going to have to adapt. Just like F1, someone has some. Um, there's always this talk about there's these in, these wheels that that evacuate low pressure zones or high pressure zones under the vehicle and some race team will use them for like uh, two races before everyone finds out and then they file complaints and then they 
you know, and then they have to change the wheels or everyone gets to use the same wheels or they have to share the same technology with their other teams. Those are the types of situations I'm talking about. Those are always ongoing. Uh, somebody's always going to push uh, technology or a systems. Uh, I think the most famous one I've ever seen was um, in fuel. Car, two cars moving, fueling on, <laughs> on the freeway really? that nobody knew about. That all of a sudden, you know, it's. It, I, I they, heard that rumors. That was real, huh? That we had. That was uh, dirt sports days, and yep. we had pictures of that. But that quickly was shut down. That was a one one race wonder. But uh, they were fueling like an like two had, aircraft. Yes, yeah, right. It had the full yeah. boom. Oh my and, uh, <laughs> and it was pretty amazing. But we have things like that going. That's on. like but, when you know. I, I remember. Uh, my first, my oldest daughter, when she was little, and uh, she had drawn on some furniture, and I went in and I said, "What, what does that say?" And you know, she's like three years old. She has these big eyes, and she's looking up at me, and she says, "Huh?" I'm like, "What's behind you, right there? Where do we draw? On paper?" I'm like, "Okay." And so I said, "Slide over," because she's standing there blocking it. And I go, "What does that say?" And she looks at me with these big eyes. She goes. I love Dada. <laughs> so I had to leave the room because I wasn't sure. I, I wanted to be mad at her for drawing on her furniture, but I was so proud of her for, for being a manipulative little kid. I was like, that was the best answer ever. So I had to go like like laugh around the corner. I'm sure, Jim, it's the same with you guys when a team has yeah. some really novel thing. You're like, I have to be mad at you because you can't be doing that, but damn, that was smart. I'm going to read yeah. you the riot act, and then I'm going to high-five you. Yeah, and then you. I'm going to high-five you afterwards. Yeah, then we have to look at it. But yeah, we have... Uh, there's always people developing and there's certain rules for a class. We have 50 plus classes on the books. So Whoa. there's there's a place, it doesn't mean they're all active every race, but, okay. but that's that's the spread we have. Um, UTVs, you know, there's four or five classes now for that. And Where would you put two chubby uh, podcast guys? Wherever you want to go. I was, I was thinking stock full. Stock full stock works. Full, yeah, stock, we have stocky a, full. <laughs> we, we have another sidebar class called uh, Wide Open, our Baja Challenge. Yeah, I love the and, Wide Open cars. That's a turnkey class, yeah. and they're awesome. Uh, so much fun to drive those things down there. Yeah. So they come so, with pit. They come with crews and everything else. Yeah, uh, Jim. If if I if I'm a, a Raptor owner and I'm like I'm gonna go, I I've got enough money. I feel like I can beat on this truck and potentially break it, but I've always wanted to do this. How does one even get involved? Because I, I feel like this is a Southern California, Western states thing, and you just kind of like, I know someone who's who's in SCORE as a member, or his buddy, and I just, I can talk to him. But if you live in maybe Missouri, but you always wanted to get involved in this, what do you, how do you even start? And those are common questions, and it is, it is, to it is definitely a Western region strength, but because of technology and visibility, uh, we get we get racers from 32 states at the thousand, um, you know, 15 countries. Um, our viewer base, social media base, score journal base. It's yeah, the dynamics have changed as we all know, yeah. um, and how to reach people and even our, our our competitors. But to answer your question, yeah, we there's a process. We talk to these guys because um, they could go out and buy a new truck or they just went. And, down to the dealership and bought a new KTM, and they think they're on their way to the Bahama yeah, Thousand. It takes right. a lot of work. So there's a we have a, a in fact a operations team in Las Vegas that deals a lot with with those so questions. So is it as simple as you actually just get on the phone with with one of your team at Score and say, "Hey, this is Joe, and I just I've been I've been racing off road. You know, I've been yeah. racing trials in the." And Black I just saw Dust of Glory forever. for the 10th time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wherever. Right. Like, yeah, I exactly. think I, and, and I, no, but can a guy just get on the phone with your team and talk it through? Absolutely. Okay. So, and we have, a, you know, the rule books are all online. 
um, on our website. So okay. there's there's yeah. process. You got to put safety equipment in, and you, you there's certain right. things like like maybe on a class you could have stock powertrain, but you have a little leeway with suspension and shocks and things like that. Yeah. As long as the the pivot points are all the same, and you know all that kind and, of stuff. And cage requirements and things like that. But there's a there's a they're basic all the way up to the spaceships that we were talking about. Right. But uh, we we also try to clarify what we do is not really what, as you pointed out, Sean, Baja is a totally different animal and challenges. Yeah. Um, and we actually push a lot of these guys into other series. Like Best in the Desert? Best in the like Desert. That, yeah. they, they, it's a very good series. Yeah. Um, it's The challenges are, are different. Mint. Um, we're logistics. We're another country you're dealing with. There's um, These are all other organizational bodies, right? right. So these are, but you're friendly with them. Right? We so are. Yeah. <laughs> it's, small, it's a small community. Yeah. Right. It's okay. uh, we. Yeah. We do what we do, and um, and there there there's many. There's three or four different sanctioning bodies in Nevada alone right now. Yeah. So how so. often, Jim, do you say, hey, you know what? Um, again, you're the guy that bought the KTM. You might be good for best in the desert. You might want to reach out to. Joe at, at at best in the desert. That's not right for you know. We do for that. Baja. Yeah, we do that. It's you know, it's it's not every call, but oh, of course. it helps. It helps that these guys could get some some time and some understanding of what they're about to get involved with. Yeah. Um, but uh, our Ironman class at the thousand for the motorcycles, we have like fifteen guys. That bro. many? Yeah, and it's a twelve hundred mile <laughs> race. All oh crazy. my god! And there's so, a, there's a lot of. of Semi first time guys in that class alone. Well, it's hard to Ironman. Obviously, that's after Ivan Ironman Stewart, right? And so Ironmaning it is doing the entire race with one driver, and so but on I, a bike, yeah. yeah. And when oh, I raced God. with Josh, you know, Josh Hall, and Lightning will laugh oh, yeah. at me because I bring right. it up a, a lot. But no, no, um, I haven't heard of it. When I raced with Josh, he Ironmaned all those years, yeah. and we were just swapping out co-drivers. And he's like, I need coffee, I need a banana and a peanut butter sandwich. Let's go. Yep. And and that was it. And he raced the entire race all those years that I raced with him. And it it's a it's a mental, it's a physical challenge. Um, it's really hard, as you know, racing through the middle of the night. You get it you'll be going 80, 90 miles an hour over whoops and be falling asleep because you're like in this this weird sensory cage that your body has sort of turned off all these inputs. And you have this like tunnel of light, and you're just like, oh, this is like a, like a baby. And to any other observer, they're like, holy crap, that guy's getting the crap beat out of him over all this terrain, and the trucks go. No, but he's in he's in like some zone. But you get in those zones where you're in these these race seats that are suspension seats. You've got your your belt on you, and you just get in this like really weird, comfortable rhythm and. Get your helmet on. It's no, I know. Cool. I've heard your story where yeah. you fell asleep and he had to uh, hit the hit the cactus and no, no, no. I didn't fall asleep, but he did hit the cactus and get. Uh, <laughs> I thought you fell asleep no. and he launched cactus at you. No, <laughs> but, but but you do you do get into that mode That's where you. what happened. Yeah. Well, no, it's funny. I can only from I've never been to Baja and I've seen this, but the only thing that I, makes sense to me is I used to go out to Glamis, and we had a side by side, and I put my my Quinn, my younger yeah. one, in the back in the back with his helmet on, and I was going through like some fairly violent whoops, rah, 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 but long enough, I looked back and the poor kid's asleep, yeah, and his head's bobbing around like he's a bobblehead, and I thought, oh, the poor guy back there, but it just lulled him into this yeah. zone. Yeah. It's, it's it's this weird sensation. It's the, the loudest, noisiest, and when you get out. I mean, if you've raced for a couple hundred miles, go get some, you know, Advil or some Aleve because it, you'll, the next couple of days, it's like I was in a, like, 10-hour car crash, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Wow, and, wow. and it's, yeah. it's, it's, you have to be Does it mess fit. with your equilibrium? 
Uh, I, I don't know that messes with your yeah, equilibrium. I mean, you that. definitely have your sea legs when you get out if you've been in the truck for a long yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's an experience. It's, yeah. uh, the finish line, you know, it's it's interesting. That's all another. This race, by the way, the Baja 1000 coming up, the timeout's 53 hours. So wow, each okay. class technically has 53 hours to finish. Wow. Uh, the tr- obviously, a lot of them will be in way before that. Yeah. But uh, that's the time we're on the finish line. What do you expect for the, the first trophy truck to come in at? I, I, I can't answer that. Okay. Um, that's, uh, there's, they have it figured out on yeah. race ops. But uh, they leave, uh, the motorcycle classes will leave at 2 a.m., on Thursday. Is it a logistical week. nightmare trying to figure out how to have not everyone... You, again, you've got bikes on there, you've got side-by-side. Right. It's like side. a cross-country race. You don't want to have girls, freshmen start before boys' right. varsity. Everything's like calculated that, that way. Uh, in fact, UTVs, as they progressed and got faster and stronger, they've probably moved up three different classes oh, wow, in okay. the last few years. So back to your, the driving yeah. experiences, when they come in, they're just... They're done. Yeah. They're spent. Yeah. Um, but you get a cold beer. And they're talking and they're going, why did you do that to us? And they, get, <laughs> they get up on the interview stand and they, they start getting adrenaline. Yeah. And by the time they get down and are getting their pictures taken, they're going, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a, and that's like a, maybe a 15 minute time yeah. frame, 20 minute yeah. time frame that they go it's from your 20th win. I'm yeah. never going again to I'm going in five <laughs> yeah. minutes more. So it's, it's, I wish I could describe the overall experience better than I have because magical is really the only way there's nothing like it on earth if you're an off-roader you literally hit every single terrain you can even imagine it's some of the most beautiful countryside you'll ever see with some of the best food and the best people you'll ever see with the camaraderie that comes along with having a team and and it really is there may be a driver and a co-driver but it's 100 percent a team sport that driver's not doing it without a pit crew no and and some of our top, our top teams uh, on a peninsula run, they'll have 100 people on that team yeah. for uh, for chase and logistics. I have uh, uh, several friends that go down and volunteer, you know, as pit crew or yep. as, uh, you know. There you go. And just to be part of the whole, yep. all the action. So, Jim, last question for me is if I'm not a racer, I'm just an enthusiast and I live anywhere in the country and I have a passport, how do I go down and just view it? How do I be part of it and see the whole the the action. Well, you start at Ensenada for sure. Okay, that, that is ground zero. Uh, we're all where everything will take place. Is there do for you, this on your website? Do you have? Can I go through in a menu and say, here's where I should stay the hotel, and within yes. walking distance, yes. or if I need to rent a car, or am I going 500 miles out because the best spot where these guys make this really wide sweeping turn, and you know what I mean? Like all of them. Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, <laughs> is there a menu because? There, I, there if, is, if I didn't have a friend, I would have no idea. That's part of the thing of learning, right? Like you go down there, you be a part of it. The best isn't isn't the, the course isn't always identical. So the best thing is to talk to the locals or talk to the racers and figure out where the cool spots are because they've chased it or they've pre-run it, right? And and pre-running, like we truck owners who have the high front end and do that whole pre-runner thing, that started with pre-running the Baja race and that's where that terminology came from. So people have gone down there, run this year's race, this year's course, which isn't all the same. Sometimes it's point to point, sometimes it's a big loop, whatever the case may be. So the best thing is to go down and immerse yourself in it and then talk to people who have done it so they can tell you all the great spots to go. Right, we do have the course map to not the detailed ones for the teams, but the general course maps already up on our on site. The hotel directories are all up on our site. Okay, um, that answers our, my question. Our, our score journal, our digital pub that supports the series has all that information in the current preview issue. It's been out for a few weeks already. But yeah, there's there's a process. Um, 
So it's there. If you want to go and you want to visit, it's already there. You've and you should that. go and you should visit. Okay. And it's, uh, yeah, you have to start early because when, when we come in for a race into an area that hotels, Airbnbs, uh, camping yeah. grounds are gone. Okay. Yeah. And what would you say to anyone that has security, uh, you know, concerns? Just be, be smart. It's, you know, we, you can't just leave your stuff in the middle of the street overnight. Yeah. Um, but the hotels are all guarded. Uh, We've never had any major issues. It's after many decades of doing it myself, I've never had any major issues. But they're there. You have to be. Real it's like another country. I mean, be look, aware. if you go to downtown right. LA, right. don't don't be an yeah. ugly American when yeah. you're. You know, right. it's easy for people to think this is like right. North San Diego County or something like that, and it's not. You're in another country, and, and you, that's there's rules. Correct, and, and you don't uh, act like an idiot. So yeah. Um, it's times have changed a lot. Yeah. It's 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 not the wild wild west of the it old days when we used yeah. to be down there. It was way it's, different. It's uh it's just the you know, society's changed. So if you, if you want to check them out on Facebook, official score international. It's www.score uh, or hyphen international dot com. Uh, you can find all of the info of, of what to do, the race dates, and how to do it right there. Get the phone number if you need to. To contact uh, Jim's team, but uh, appreciate you coming out and spending some time with no us. No problem. Good to see you again, and uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Holman Ralph Mondo joins us from Quadratech, and if you don't know that name, they're the big Jeep guys. Yeah, you don't drive. They do a Jeep more, then. but yeah, they a lot of Jeep, lots of Jeep, lots of Jeep. I, I'm a customer. Uh, we've worked awesome. with you guys on the four wheeler side and uh, through our brands a lot over the years, and uh, but I'm a customer. I'm obviously a Jeep guy. I've got a 42 GPW and I've got a 20 JL. Oh, fantastic. So uh, I'm often going through the Quadratech catalog. I brought you a catalog here so you could actually buy oh, some stuff look at while that. we talk. Yeah, all right. How's that? Check that out. <laughs> that thing has got to weigh six pounds, that catalog. Let's see how many pages it is. Uh, 95 pages. 95 yeah. pages. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny is there's sometimes where I'm looking for either new products to cover or seeing what's out there. If I haven't had a chance to, uh, to get on, I'll just go to Quadratech. And they've got a great new product section. You guys have a great garage, so you make sure the we parts fix, uh, fit your vehicle. Yep. Um, and it's really easy. Out of all the e-com, uh, all the e-commerce sites, Quadratech's probably one of the easiest to navigate. You guys yeah. have done a great job of that. Well, thank you. We um, The Jeep selector is what works really well. So you can come in, select your style of Jeep and year, and then it refines all the products based on that. So, so you're it's not like trying a year-make model lookup? That's correct. Okay. But, it, but it's more robust. Like For me, there's a lot of companies that do year-make model. And then you get kind of lost in the details or it's not super accurate. Or on the inverse of that is the drop-down menus work, but then search doesn't. And then you guys seem to have a pretty robust search on the backside of it to find stuff as well. We do. And we're also in the process of creating what we call preference center, which is basically you can set all your preferences in terms of I only want to see this type of brand or this type of bumper or whatever it is. And then we refine the sort based on that. Gotcha. So you're not muddling through hundreds of thousands of products. We only show you what you're specifically interested in. Though, Holman, I would be, I'm just kind of surprised. I figured you'd like the printed catalog better because it works better for wiping up your drool. Uh, I do <laughs> like it, but not for that reason. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, uh, Quadratech's great company. Uh, I Like I said, I've been a Jeep guy for 25 years, and Quadratech's been the catalog. In well, it's backpack. always been the go-to retailer for Jeep parts. Has it been that way? Did it morph into this? or Because I don't know the company's history. Bring me up to speed. Sure. So um, Ted Wentz the second, he's the one that started the company. We're in our 31st year. Um, and basically, he had the 1989 YJ, and he was looking for a soft top. Is uh, that that's the little diecast yeah, toy you brought, that, Holman? Th- this is the car that started the company. Yes. Oh, that is the coolest thing ever. So Your own packaging? 
own green packaging light, in the story. Green light collectibles the stories here. on the back, so you can oh, learn that's all cool. about the history of the company. But um, yeah, we, he started the company in terms of um, we're a cataloger by trade. Um, and just getting as many Jeep parts out there for you as possible. And of course, we have morphed into a huge e-commerce company. Um, and so this is our first year exhibiting at SEMA. So we are, we are officially in the wholesale business now. So um, Oh, because it was direct to consumer. It was all direct to consumer. Time. That is correct. Wow, I just yeah, assumed I, I, you guys had B2B as we well. We would normally yeah. see you guys at Moab East Jeep Safari. And correct. you'd have the, the big consumer deal at the high school football field. That is correct. The, the barbecue. barbecue lunch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that, those, are the, those are the best days. It's like, hey, uh, guys, we're going to be all at the high school eating Quadratex food. That's it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but uh, yeah, so that's the history. So we're, uh, we continue to evolve and bring more and more product to the, to the market. And how do you shop for products if you're not at a place like, oh, I guess you've been to SEMA because this is where you would have been Correct. We've doing always all been your buying. Yep, we've been here for 30 years, but this is the first year we actually have a booth. We're in gotcha. the West Hall. Um, I encourage everybody to stop by. We've got the YJL there. Um, so that was our replica build. Um, so the YJL is, I bring it up so I can show you. There yeah, we go. Let me come around here. Right here. So it is a JL, current body Jeep, Yeah. that they converted to make it look like a YJ. So the YJ. Oh, is, that stance though is no YJ. Like that no. stance is JL. Uh, well, of course, but look yeah, at the but it's got the square yeah. headlights. So, so here's that looks rad. Let, let's talk about let's talk about YJ for a second. So YJ was like the enthusiast most hated Jeep for a long time, right? Yep. Why? Yeah, square headlights. Real Jeeps have round headlights. Ah. And so when when Jeep did that, there was a huge backlash from the purists who said, "No, this you can't be doing this." And it was the first Wrangler when you went from the CJ side of things, right? The civilian Jeep. Wrangler was supposed to be like the Jeep's first modern Jeep. Fuel injected, leaf springs, solid axles, a more comfortable interior, all that kind of stuff. Fast forward to today, YJs are one of the hottest Jeeps that you can buy because they're the last of the Wrangler style Jeeps that have leaf springs. They're easy to lift, ton of aftermarket for it and people are starting to love the square headlights because they're different than everything else. Mm. Now all of a sudden you have this great Jeep that was once the pariah. It's almost like a CJ3B with a high hood on yep. a flat fender, right? Yeah. Like now those things are sought after because they're sort of weird and, and rad. And you guys took a JL for your anniversary and made it the same color, put in square headlights in the grill and made it look just like It's got the original YJ. dash. It's it's uh, so all the interiors, awesome. yeah. So um, you know your Jeep. Do you have your resume by chance? <laughs> no, he knows Jeep backwards and forwards. I learned something Jeep every day from this guy. That's awesome. But yeah, it's, uh, we're super proud of the build and um, we're actually gonna take it west with Khan's uh, help and uh, get it a lot of exposure over the next three or four months. It'll be at Easter Jeep Safari again in April. Okay. Um, and so, um, but yeah, it's, it was to commemorate our 30 years and, and for what Ted started. Have you had any requests to build more? I know that's not what you do. You don't build custom vehicles. You sell parts. But have you had requests to build more? Or we, after after this, we have. Yeah. So okay. we're gonna we're already trying to plan out what we're gonna do for next year. So. Yeah. So can we expect a square headlight grill to be part of the Quadratech Ooh, mix? That's a. Uh, um, it could be. All right. <laughs> More I, to come. <laughs> I, I Listen, if you're willing to put one of those nasty, angry grill things on your Jeep, you're willing to put a really cool square headlight grill on your Jeep. That's what I'm saying. Like, don't go angry, bird. Go with the Quadratech square <laughs> headlight one when it comes out. Yeah, I encourage you to stop by and see it. We dropped a straight six in it, um, and so it's got... Even better. Wow. Yeah, so we're super excited. So, All right, so it, what sets Quadratech apart from any other online catalog, right? I can go, even Amazon for that matter, right? If I'm looking yep. for a part, what is the Quadratech experience? You're the marketing guy, like yep. how, 
why do I shop with you as opposed to? And, well, I know Jeep specific. Jeep no, specific. I, I know Jeep, Jeep specific. specific. It's Jeep spill. It's, it's assortment. <laughs> so we've got everything you could possibly want for your Jeep. So we've got a great assortment. We've got great brands. Um, we've got a house, a ton of house brands. So the Quadratech brand product um, is, is probably the best quality out there. Um, so we're excited about that. But just the experience on the website. You know, my goal is to make it as easy and efficient for you to find what you're looking for as quickly as possible. And so the website is designed to, to bring you back results based on what you're looking for. But it's, it's really the assortment, um, the quality of product. Um, we consider ourselves the Jeep experts. Yep. Um, so if you're not quite sure what you're looking for, um, we're going to help you find that. And can I still do old school phone if, I, if I'm between two bumpers and I just can't, I can't distill the information on the website? Is there a human that I can speak with? There is. Okay. Um, the call center guy's going to yell at me, but yes, you can definitely pick <laughs> up the phone and call. You can text. Um, you can chat. I know people are trying to get um, away from that, but I, I know from personal experience you're looking at the text and there's the description and you're like I must be a moron, but I can't discern the difference between these two. Yep. Other than aesthetics, is the metal that, like you, there's always a question. If I'm going to drop more than 1500 bucks, I feel like there's a threshold at which people will spend online until they go, I need to speak with a human to, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, three, I'll just swipe the card or just buy it online. But above that, I need to speak to a human and really feel confident I'm buying the right one. Yep. Yeah, we have a world-class uh, sales and service team that would answer those phone calls and help you out there. And my goal from a marketing perspective is to try and make sure the online experience doesn't need you to do that. So, um, but there is a phone to call. You can, um, you can, Email us, we've got a great chat team. So there's a number of different ways you can get in contact with us. And I love the fact that you guys are very active in the Jeep community as well. We are, so we're at um, a number of different events. We're gonna do a couple things this year we're excited about. Uh, we're a partner with Tread Lightly. So we're going to do a number of trail cleanups this year now that people are getting back out on the trail. Um, so is that like a non-profit, Tread it Lightly? Is. It okay. is, yeah. So we're excited to partner with them. Um, we're going to be at a number of different events uh, west of the Mississippi this year, so we're excited about that. Um, so yeah, you'll see us out there and um, trying to give back to the community as much as we can. Okay, so if you have a Jeep, the I only do. place you I need have to, one of those. Right. And I have we, well, two of those. We've already established that you shop at Quadratech. I do do that. But if you're new to Quadratech, Spend some time. But here's here's my point about me shopping at Quadratech, is that we have a lot of business that we do. I could call I could call Quadratech, and we've done projects with them. We can get parts. I spend my money with you guys for for when I'm outside of work because it's it's a great experience, and you guys have really good pricing too. I yep. you know it's it's uh, comparable, but the experience that comes, and also you have a lot of things in stock. I'm I'll be shocked if I'm searching for something and I'll go to Quadratech and it'll say in stock. And uh, the other thing I like that you guys do is you have the install manuals with the parts. If the manufacturer has an install manual, you can download the PDF yep. so you can see exactly how hard it is to install yourself before you buy the part. Yeah, I'm one of those guys too. Yeah. I will and always go through the manual before I buy the part. Yep, and we do a lot on the video side too. We do a ton of how-tos on the video front. Oh, that's um, great. And then, you know, since the pandemic hit, we've spent a lot of time trying to educate kids on how to make the basics of car maintenance. And so a lot of DIY projects we sponsor. Um, and next year, we're going to get out and do a lot of how-tos in terms of how to install a bumper, or how to install a winch. All right. Ralph, appreciate you stopping by. This and, has uh, been an absolute pleasure. Quadratech.com yeah, is where you want to go. Um, I'm yeah. loving it. You're a Jeep guy. I, I, I am the Jeep guy. How do we make him a Jeep guy? How do we get him? Uh, uh, well, I'm the Jeep co-pilot. You're the Jeep co-pilot. <laughs> I'm okay. the Jeep co-pilot when he decides I'm worthy of taking out onto the trail. Yes. Gotcha. It's a little well, embarrassing. Well, I'm going to leave this with you as a thank you, and um, I appreciate you guys having and us I'm on. I'm going to steal that from him. No, you're you not. <laughs> now I own a Jeep, mother effer. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. 
All right, Lightning, in our booth right now is a famous voice actor <laughs> and uh, uh, automotive marketing genius. And well, that's where the uh, the voice came from at the beginning of this, this episode. Is that where it came from? Yep. Is our, our friend uh, Jan Dolphin? Yep. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you have a great name for Hollywood. Yeah, but I don't have a great name for voiceover. <laughs> I, I actually use my middle name, Robert, because with Jan Dolphin and the way I spell it, yeah. people think I'm going to have an accent. It's J-H-A-N. Yeah, people think it's going to be, well, I'm or... going to do the voiceover now. <laughs> you know, so what is, what's the heritage there? Uh, you know, Dolphin's English, but Jan, uh, my mom found a, a writer she liked when I was being born and it was some guy from Reader's Digest that had my first name. <laughs> Reader's like, Digest. I have no idea. Nice. Yeah, I have no idea where it came from. All right, uh, you're also the vice president of the Prefix Corp, which I want to jump into that a right. little bit. Uh, and then again, from the marketing side, president of J. Robert Marketing, Jan. Jan, J. Robert. Yeah, there uh, you go. Now it go. all comes together. All comes together. Now and, I see. And you might be saying like, okay, why is there a voiceover guy who's out of mode of marketing and the... In the pot, I so, can't connect the dots. Okay, so help me, I'm going to help you. What what my man Jan does? I know him through a friend of mine, Matt, who owns Attitude Performance out in Illinois. Yes, you guys, Lightning, you have seen their work. You just don't know it. No, tell, tell me more. Nobody knows it. Mm-hmm. Not only have they built a gazillion team of vehicles, marketing vehicles, show vehicles. If you've ever seen a concept vehicle from an OE prefix. The company that he's the VP of, they're the ones who build those. Those million-dollar one-off prototypes that come out before, they're doing it. Also, you know who paints the Ford GT in Mercedes Mybox? This guy right here. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let, let's let's rewind a little bit. Right. Okay. So are you doing just the graphic representation, no. or are you actually making the one-off vehicles as well? Okay, so we'll start with. Uh, Look at that catalog. Give me that. Give that to me right now. <laughs> Give me that catalog, Holman. Whoa, look so, at those renderings. Look, are those real vehicles? Yeah, they're real. Yeah, they're definitely real. They sure real. are. Okay. All right, let's... Let, we, yeah, I need to get I, I have a lot to unpack with you, right, Jan. Okay. So a lot of people don't realize, but when the OEMs uh, need to, they're going to develop a new model vehicle. They're going to bring it to market. Somebody has to build the first one. Okay. And when I say the first one, if you can imagine, you pick any one of the vehicles here in the hall today and, and say, okay, if that was a concept car that was built... And imagine that there was no dash available, there was no headlight available, there was There's nothing, no parts. nothing available off the shelf because yeah. it's never been built. You, you, you aren't going down to the factory and going, right. hey, build this one-off concept on our production line. No, it doesn't no. happen. So even if you had take one element of that, take the headlight. I mean, today's headlights are automotive jewelry, right? Yes, they and are. With the uh, it, influx of laser technology and LEDs. Oh, I mean, the, like the new BMW oh, or the Mercedes. It's, there's so many elements inside. The new right. Ford, uh, you know, the Super Duty. I mean, they're, they're works of art. Right. So imagine if we're, you're building a concept car and somebody says, okay, well, these are the headlights we want. So we have a, we have a lighting division at Prefix, just one department that does nothing but development of lighting. And we have guys in there that are polishing by hand each facet of the inside of those housings because it has to be the the first one has to be built so let me i'll give you an example of and uh, you have no molds no there's no molds no no, they're building so let me give you an example when obviously you know i have a relationship with a lot of the oes i get to see stuff early so the first time i saw the wrangler jl was two or two years before it was announced they had a one-off buck that was a design buck that rolled and everything, but it was made of carbon fiber and it was painted. It looked like the production vehicle, but it was a one-off that somebody had to build. 
Right. And they're not doing it in like the back corner of the shed. That yeah. was a, a company like yours, maybe mm-hmm. yours, that their sole goal in life is to build these one-off show cars to demonstrate both to consumers at auto shows, right. but also to internal executives, like this is the vehicle we're going with, this is right. what it's going to look like. We haven't built it yet, so we've, we've basically commissioned this one-off so that you can see it in full-size scale of what the vehicle's going to be. Right, the, the vehicles are used for a couple different things. One is to gauge public response, for sure, right? And I always laugh because back when we were kids, you know, you'd go to the auto shows and you'd see a concept car and it looked like George Jetson stuff, right? Right. It's gonna float, it's yeah. gonna do this. There's nowadays, definitely an acrylic bubble on top. Right, I don't know, right, there's right, definitely, yeah. yeah. And nowadays, uh, the concept vehicles that we build are much more production intent. They're much closer to what's gonna come out. And they're used not only to gauge the public's response, but also as we do a lot what we call uh, data verification models. So these vehicles are used for the engineers and the designers to get a hands-on final look before they go to hard tooling. Something they put in a wind tunnel? Yeah. Yeah, we okay. do those kind of things, the wind tunnel models, but but these that you see at the shows are typically used for, it's that one last check of, of gaps and flush and finish and worst and best case scenarios in the production line so that the engineers can make any final changes because it costs millions of dollars to go into hard tooling before they create that vehicle. And that so, one-off vehicle could be a million-dollar vehicle, oh, a million-dollar no, no, no. investment. No, the ones that we've done are anywhere between three and four million dollars. They could each. be three or four million yes. dollar investments. Exactly, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Do those ever see the light of day in the consumer market? Meaning, any of the concepts that you built are they always held under lock and key, or have any of them been auctioned off? Like this was the prototype for the new GT five hundred. It's this very, was- yeah, very unusual, and you're starting to see a little bit more of that. But a lot of them were crushed. Yeah. over oh, the years. Okay. Um, some of the last vehicles. Oh, that, that's heartache. The yeah. ones that you would know. I see some of the more recent ones that we completed. We did the uh, the new Jeep Grand Wagoneer. That was our yeah. concept. Oh, cool. We did uh, the the vehicles from Rivion. Yep. The truck and the and SUV when you sit Rivian. in them, by the way, the doors open. The leathers in there, the you can sit in them because the original, oh, yeah. original Wagoneer, the concept, yeah. um, beautiful, the, the beautiful. But it was the first one that we saw that we could get. So in the and, Rivian yeah. that I would have seen five years ago at the LA Auto Show would have been your model then. That's right. Yep. Ah. Those ones that came out on stage, those were ours. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we did the uh, the Lincoln Navigator when the Navigator first came out. I don't know if you remember that concept had a giant gullwing door. Yeah, so both doors right. were welded together before, so the whole side of the Navigator opened up, and that was before the new model was released. And it was the right. concept based on a production intent vehicle, but the passenger side gull wing, the whole thing came up so you could access all three rows straight in through the side of the vehicle. And that's why they did it, because uh, uh, Lincoln wanted that the interior was beautiful and yeah. very close to what the production model was going to be. So when we created the concept, the reason they wanted a gullwing door was so that the media would be able to get a full shot of that interior. Had nothing to do with a gullwing door, yeah. right? Yeah. But, uh, but it's it's fascinating stuff because it's uh, we have a uh, uh, about 300 employees and four different facilities and about 32 private secure studios. And it's always bizarre to walk through the hallway because you know, here come some guys from Ford, yeah. Houston, GM. And they're and all Rivian. eyeballing each right. other, right? And they all know each other, <laughs> yeah. so it's it's always a little odd. Hi, Frank. Yeah, Dave, remember you used to work yeah. for us? Yeah, you can't <laughs> look, Don't look in that door. Don't hey, Fred, stop door. looking at my wife. I'm right. trying to picture what it must look like inside. You've got a couple little snapshots in the brochure that you have here from Prefix, but right. the only place that I've been in is a um, place in Signal Hill, California called LA Prep. 
and I don't know what they no, do with their different. competitor. Is it different? Yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, uh, we're we're one of the only ones now in the in the country that does what we do. There's a there's a couple others, but uh, we've over the last the company's 40, over forty years old now, and and uh, over the years it's evolved and evolved and evolved to where we've we've taken on additional capabilities. So if you look at everything it takes. Uh, from machining of the wheels. Uh, so we have a huge CNC mach machining center. Uh, and then we have a composite shop that does carbon fiber and structural composites is a new big thing because of all the EV motors or EV vehicles that we're working on now. Uh, and then you've got interior trim, software development, lighting. Uh, it just goes on and on. And then paint, you know, because it's all got to be beautifully painted. And Years ago, we that's all we painted was the show vehicles that we built, the concept cars, and, and because we did so well on those, that led to the paint programs that we currently have for the Ford GT supercars and, and now the uh, Maybach two-tone SUV for Mercedes. And you guys uh, also are outside of cars, too. You do tooling, movie props, airplanes, yeah. right? I mean, it's... it's well, if you can think of a shop, if you think of a shop like ours that has all those capabilities, you know, the, the challenge for us with 300 employees is you don't do a concept car every day, every month, right? So you would have these incredible peaks and valleys yeah. of, oh my gosh, we're slammed, we're working 24 hours a day. And then nothing. Most of those concept vehicles, it's a terribly unrealistic deadline. Sure, and, yeah. and we're just cramming, and then nothing, right? And then do we have to lay people off and yeah. you feel bad? So we've, we've diversified into a lot of other industries like uh, aerospace, we do a lot of aviation, and themed attractions, believe it or not. We do work with Disney and Universal mm -hmm. and uh, movie props, uh, the, the flying saucers and spaceships from Transformers and things like that, which not only helps level out those peaks and valleys, but it's just fun. Yeah. It's just cool stuff. I mean, I, I think I have a cool job, but I think your job's pretty awesome, too. I mean, we have eight <laughs> jobs, but, right? the, yeah. you know, this is just the prefixer. I just thought it was interesting for people to understand, like, what goes on? How did those things get built? And then, obviously, you talk about 32 uh, Secret Studios. When a manufacturer comes to you and you sign an NDA and you go under contract, right. you have to have a secured location for all their proprietary information. Yeah. And it has to be a unique key code, combo, whatever. And it has to meet certain, their own internal security standards. Like, there's right. standards that you have to meet in your building that Toyota or a Ford or a Rivian are going to sign off on before they'll even let you see what's going on. Right. And then you have to control your employees as well to oh, make sure all that the, that doesn't get out. All the digital file transfer, oh my all, God. everything. Like, what's that like? Well, let's put it this way. We've done work for, and I can't even say it now, but we've done work for some very, very high-powered world leaders. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. And the amount of security. Yeah. Uh, so even to the point where those were a few years ago, and I still can't. Yeah. talk about. Oh, yeah, well, and you won't yeah. be able to for probably right. 10 or 15 years until that product is retired for the next generation. And I'm a marketing guy, so that's painful. Very hard for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were very lucky this week because we were uh, we were part of the uh, the beast that's on yes. display in the GM yes. uh, exhibit, uh, that crazy wild big side-by-side -side that they built. Yeah, and, it's basically a uh, yeah. Silverado 1500 with no doors, a yeah. bunch of horsepower. It's like uh, LT4 supercharged yeah. engine in it, 650. It's, and Everybody says it reminds them of like the halo vehicles. It, it, does, it does. It does. Yeah. It has that vibe yeah. to it. But it, it's basically like if you were to take a... Uh, a TRX or a Raptor and then strip it down as far as you can to be more like a UTV. Yeah. So it's light and it's yep. fast and it's 
the shorten the chassis. Yeah. Very angular. It's very yes. crazy. Yeah. But in a good way. It's, it's 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 really cool. But again, people ask us, well, why would they do that? Right? Why wouldn't they? And I love it. Of course, we're at SEMA, everybody. Then you here, look at them and go, then you do want the buyer. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not you're not you the know, guy. This this market, this this audience obviously gets it because they, yeah. they want to see those innovative, crazy, wild. Or that aspirational, you know. like I, I drew this on a napkin, but this guy built it. You know, yeah, I yeah. want to see what what are the limits of this chassis or this platform or whatever the case is. That's absolutely what we want because, I mean, gosh, God forbid this world starts to become so vanilla where we don't. Yeah. Let's do some things that break the rules a yeah. little bit, right? we got to yeah. keep doing that stuff. So, obviously, for our team at Prefix, it gets very exciting because, you know, we get those opportunities. And you can see our guys in the room. We're all lighting up as we're seeing the, the sketches on the screen that we might potentially get to build. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's hey, really fun. Jan, what did 3D printing both plastics and metals do for the company? Was it just absolute game changers? It is. Yeah. We have a unit right now that uh, I think we're the only one in the country or the first one in the country to get it. It's extremely fast. We can print things up to about the size of a door of a car. Every time I see that room where we have these multiple machines churning out parts, I, I, I just have to ask, what the heck did we do 20 years ago? Yeah, right. You know, and the, the old guys in the shop said, yeah, we sanded and we sanded and we sanded <laughs> and we molded and we molded and we sanded, you know. It's wild. And it's wild now. I mean, but yeah. that is how uh, you know, it would become so used to and, and, and spoiled with the technology. It's insane. But it's a huge part of what we do. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, with additive printing now, with yeah. whether it's whether it's titanium, aluminum, stainless yeah. steel, they can literally print, turn stainless steel dust into a into a car door, yeah, I mean, and that's, or that's, into a very intricate uh, you know manifold or, or something or, like that. Or in the case of our friends over at uh, Jeep Graphics Studio, the little insert medallions on top of the Jeep shifters that is 3D printed with metal so that he could get the ridges on the topo map in the background of yeah. the image. It's we've done incredible. we've done a uh, a couple of touch pads which are really amazing where you 3D print the plastic material but also the rubber material inside which is the button. Wait, you're you're printing rubber? Yeah. As well? Yeah, so it's, it's so you feel you can you can push into the button right. but it's all printed on the same printer. It's unbelievable. Oh my lord. So yeah. so prefix can do concept vehicles, obviously design and engineering, interior trim and seating, lighting. Low volume stuff, paint, performance, prototyping, software development, and theme park attractions. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, That's that almost sounds like Disneyland for me. I know. Like, I just want to go wander <laughs> the halls. How did you get the gig there? Like, what's your story? Well, it's very cool because I uh, had my marketing firm, and which I still have, like you said, Matt at yeah. Attitude Performance. And we'll jump into that in one in yeah. a sec here. We, uh, you know, I, I love doing this stuff. I love SEMA, but Prefix Corporation was actually one of my clients. Oh, okay. Ah. And, you know, obviously, the more I could hang out there, the better off yeah, I was because right. I loved it. Yeah. And they slowly pulled me in and pulled me in and said, Jan, we need you to move to Michigan. Uh, uh, I didn't move to Michigan. I still live in the Chicago area. Okay. But I go back and forth. I'm there every other By week. By the way, great hot dogs, horrible pizza. Um, I disagree. I disagree, <laughs> I love too, the pizza. Yeah. I love deep I don't dish. like tomato bread. I love deep yeah. dish first all, all day. First of all, I'm not a Bears fan, <laughs> number one. Number two, I put ketchup on my hot dogs. So yeah. they might not let me back in the city. So. But uh, you know, Prefix was my number one client, and, the, and more that uh, what they needed is what I offered, and uh, what I needed is what they offered, it was which was cool. You know, I just love that stuff. I get bored really quick, and this was a honestly, I feel like I'm living my the career of a lifetime. Right well, I, I of course know you through Matt at Attitude Performance, right. and you guys have done a bunch of marketing vehicles together. Yeah. So just a, a quick rundown: um, Gander Mountain. You've worked for Dairy Queen. In fact, I think if I'm not mistaken, did you just say Dairy Queen? Yes. yes. Do you remember the Dairy Queen? 
was it a mini? Yes. That not the, better, the Blizzard is yeah, every no, time rem- I, that's on what the it was. freeway. Yeah, do you remember the mini that had the Blizzard that was in the commercials? No. Matt, Matt, no, I don't. Yeah, Matt took a yeah. Mini Cooper, cut the top off yeah. of it, put it onto a Jeep frame, and created this wild mini that Dairy Queen used for big-time promotion for their Blizzard. And it uh, it traveled around the country with. It was the only called. appropriate mini ever, Jay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with their street team, and it was hugely popular. I think Matt later found that thing was over in Saudi Arabia. Or yeah, something. so it had yeah. somehow left the country, yeah. and somebody bought it. But yep. yeah, no, it was a it was a mini on a four by four chassis that was all done up. And I want he had some cool stuff. I wanted to say they. I don't remember it was like the intake stacks on it were like Blizzard Cups or something yeah, they were. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah All yeah. kinds of theme stuff. Yeah. And, that's, and if you look at the list of the stuff that I've done with Matt over the years, the one thing, because some people here in this room think we're a little weird. <laughs> um, Again, why we can be friends. I've done unusual with Matt. We've done unusual pairings. Sure. And strategic marketing partnerships. So we've done things with like Chris Angel here. You know, uh-huh. we did a magic theme vehicle. Well, um, that sucks. You know, we did. Uh, <laughs> He's, he's lame. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> easy, you know, easy. Lady. At the last SEMA, we had our Black Rifle Coffee truck. So right. working yep. with the guys from Black Rifle Coffee. Now that's cool. So and that right, makes up for the Chris Angel, right? And, and a lot of people look at us and go, "Well, what's coffee got to do with a truck?" You know, everything. And you have know, you been over no, by the coffee in the morning. <laughs> Black Rifle Coffee, by the way, has exploded. And yeah. I'm going to give you credit. I don't know what you've done <laughs> with them, but Black Rifle Coffee is. I have never seen a Can medi- I point out more that, meteoric yeah. rise. My wife was looking for a coffee cup in the morning, and my wife is an associate superintendent of schools. Right. That's her job. And she, for her birthday, sent me a link to Black Rifle Coffee for a uh, one of those stainless steel tall things. And I'm like, my wife is is, is so is so badass. Like, she's carrying into the administration building every day her coffee in a Black Rifle Coffee tumbler. Which has got like, a silhouette of an, <laughs> which of is an AK-47. I know. My AR. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I laugh at that, but talking about, you know, to Jay's uh, point of how far they've gone, my, my wife's like, this is the one I want. I'm like, are you, are really? She's like, yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah, they're going public now. Yeah, Can you? But I know this is way off topic. I apologize, but a sure. lot of our listeners are probably just finding out either they knew a black about Black Rifle yeah. and they're like, "I love it," or they're just finding out about it because yeah. it's growing so fast. What's the What's the story? So the story in a, behind, in a nutshell, yeah, behind Black Rifle Coffee, you know, I I had a son that was in the military, and 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 so I've always, again, with what we do with our marketing partnerships, we we're very self-centered <laughs> you know we're doing things that we're into that's what keeps us so yeah. passionate about it and so i wanted to do something that was good were for you veterans. into chris angel no I'm just yeah. kidding <laughs> no 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 and that one didn't work out well um but the guys at black rifle are veterans um they they developed this idea back when they still were in service and they came back home and they said we're going to make this badass coffee and and you know they've got a very edgy marketing program. Yes, their videos are wild. Yes. you know, but they've That's why got, you love them. They've gotten this incredible. And the product is good show. though. It's fantastic. Yeah, I still. I mean, they made me a complete coffee snob. Yeah, yeah right. And sure. I don't even like coffee, but yeah. I, if I were to drink it, you know, but the, I, I, I don't ever drink coffee ever. I don't yeah. like it, but I really admire what they've done. Oh, they really incredible. do. And and they've they've stayed very true to their marketing message. They do a lot of give back for not only veterans but first responder community. And uh, I think in 19, their online sales, just online sales of coffee were over 80 million. Oh, 
Okay. Oh my God. Wow. And, and, and that's nothing compared to what they're doing And now. by the way, my so, wife, wow. uh, that was one million. It was from my wife. Was that right? Yeah. <laughs> she, she drinks coffee like it's water. All right. So some of the other projects from the J. Robert Marketing Company, uh, Life Fitness Corporation, Turner Mountain Bikes, Forge Ahead USA, Maui Gym Sunglasses, Intrepid Outdoors TV, the Chicago Blackhawks, Cheap Trick, the Rock Band, uh, Pure Hunting, which is a, was an NBC Sports deal, Cryptic Outdoor Group, the Trans Am Race Series. Yeah. I mean, you guys are churning out vehicles like a manufacturer almost. Yeah, and you notice that a lot of those are kind of weird pairings. Yeah, which, right. Which we love to do because, you know, for us, it's uh, we want to get positive media exposure for our good sponsors. And, and you know, my thing with coming to SEMA, I think this is my, like, 18th year here at SEMA, and you get to a point where you look at everything and go, wow, if you got a big enough checkbook and half of an imagination, you can come up with a pretty cool vehicle. But we always wanted to do something and say, yeah, but there's a cool story behind it. So yeah. people can say, oh, my gosh, that's so neat. It's always about the story. Yeah. As you know in marketing, 100% of the time, yeah. it's figuring out what the story is because that's how you connect people and humanize the brand. And if you can do that yeah. and get people passionate about it and pull up their heartstrings a little, you've, you, you got them. Yeah. That's right there. So we met earlier this week, uh, Matt from Attitude Performance, and our, the other guy on our team is actually Jay, or uh, Steve Wright from CP Vehicles in Racine, Wisconsin. Uh, they do a lot of the paint work for Harley Davidson, so oh, yeah. he's always been our go-to painter. Wow! And but just brilliant guys, right? And I sit in a room with those guys, and we we had a little discussion earlier this week about what could our potential themes be moving forward. What are we going to do next? Yeah. And uh, there's How some do you top yourself. Uh, well, yeah, but that's the funny thing. We always say that every year. Yeah. And every year we figure out something. You yeah. know, somebody comes up with a great idea, or we meet somebody here at the show that's got a a, a new product that we think, oh my gosh, we could center a whole project around that. And, you know, so it keeps going. We'll figure something out, you know. Man, I want to work for you guys. So <laughs> I feel like we should be uh, promoting your YouTube channel. There's got to be great content there and Facebook. Yeah, Instagram. you know, if you if you do, I mean, for Prefix, that's really interesting because if you are a car guy, I think to you guys' point, there's a lot of people that don't realize that the OEMs don't do a lot of that wild, crazy work. You know, they, they create the design most of the time and they provide us with the CAD data and we're building from there. But it's so interesting and unique. Yeah, you can go to the, I think YouTube, it's called Prefix Companies. And you check out that site and you'll see it's some pretty interesting stuff. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. And if you want to follow uh, our, our friend Jan here on uh, Instagram, J. Robert Dolphin or at Prefix Companies. On Facebook, J. Robert Marketing Public Relations. That's a mouthful. Uh, and at Prefix Companies. <laughs> and you can go to either uh, prefix.com or jrobertmarketing.com. You are one of those weird people in the industry. That yes, you I probably, am. Probably, <laughs> the reason you need eight jobs is because if one of those ends, there's nobody else doing that. You, you're, you're, it's not like there's five people in a row to get, you're like, you're the guy. You're the guy that does that. Yeah. Like, I, I have a weird job because I do a lot of different things. I just, when my company's done with me, there's nowhere for me to go. Right. So I have to do other, I have to diversify my skill set. Exactly. Because they're, they're, the job I have doesn't exist anywhere else. So I, I have to stay here doing this. Right. No, I, I, I love that. <laughs> I think that's what I've done. I've created some of this stuff, try to make people think, okay, that's really important. Maybe we yeah. should keep him around a well, while. Exactly. That's why I say yes to everything. So that, that's what I learned. Say, I feel like you're a say yes to everything yeah, guy also. That's one of my downfalls. So I, <laughs> definitely as I get older, I got to start saying no. I, you, you never I don't know. have that energy level anymore. Right, right. And you never know who's watching or what connection you may make that's going to no. turn into some other interesting uh you know business proposition or, or something else you love to do so yeah for sure no it's it's fun that's what this has got to be if you can't have fun man change what you're doing 
Amen. You know, and hopefully come work for us because, God, we can't find enough employees. You know, as you know, the aliens came down or whatever and took half the people that <laughs> yeah. like to work. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people might be being paid to stay at home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, we won't go there. I yeah. Guess. Okay. <laughs> hey, will you do me a favor? Can yes. you give us, Jan, can you give us an out that we can play at the All end right. of the show? So this has been All the right. Truck Show Podcast, powered by Banks, live from the SEMA Show. All right. Thank you, everyone. This has been the Truck Show Podcast, powered by Banks. Here live at the 2021 SEMA Show. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was awesome. Thank you. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Motor Trend Group. This podcast was created and produced by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan of the Truck Show Podcast, we encourage you to visit and patronize our sponsors. 